This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Quite glad to come into work, actually. The amount of stress at home. I've got bits of paper everywhere trying to... Oh, dear. Tax issues. I hate it. Absolutely. Nice to have you company this morning. It's Thursday, the 19th of November. Caught on CCTV, the jihadis gun rampage at the pizzeria. Sheen's a monster, says one of his ex-girlfriends. It didn't take her long to, as I say, go rushing to the papers. I could have died. This could have happened. That could have happened. Uh, the BBC to act sporting programmes. I don't actually call darts and snooker sport. I just call them programmes for sort of either thin people who want to show you them leaning over a table or fat people who throw things at a dartboard. The key to a blissful marriage? Here you go. This is the key to it. Make love once a week. OK? Just once a week. Hardly worth bothering, is it? Mind you, with some of you, you'd probably be quite grateful with once a week. The producer himself is leaving out that article in the newspaper in the sitting room today. And uh, stretch mark creams are a waste of money, says Dawn French. And she'd know. She would know about things like that. So, no, she wouldn't, actually. Why would she know about that? She's never had any children. Their, their, their child was adopted. What would she know about stretch mark creams? Oh, when you lose a lot of weight. Oh, gosh, you've got to do... <laughs> no danger of us, then, is the will. No danger there. We shan't be using stretch mark creams any time soon. Yes, it's odd that, isn't it? When I want to call you fat, I name you. When I don't want to call you the producer, I just call you the producer. It's because in my mind, being slightly psychotic, there are two of you. Or from where I'm sitting, three. But, you know, it's, that's, that's, my, that's, that's the way it works, I'm afraid, in this business. Sometimes it's like whenever you sort of name a producer. And I generally don't, don't name producers. I'm quite good at not naming producers. I have so many. Uh, Black D's facing jail over drugs uh, convictions. So that's good. So let's get her in prison very quickly. And uh, Jamie Redknapp. He's obviously not very good at driving within the speed limit, so him and Louise will have to catch the bus in future. They've banned him for six months from the road. That's good, isn't it? Six months from the road, keep him off. He's been told time and time and time again, perhaps he thinks he's above the law, he's not. And who's been named the sexiest man alive? It's not the producer, Will. Not the producer, Will, even though he feels that we have missed out on this one. I thought between the two of us we could have been named sexiest man alive, but no, it's gone to blooming David Beckham again. (laughs) Uh, David goes, of course... I don't think I'm very sexy. No, we don't think you're very sexy either. But, you know, it's amazing what a bit of photoshopping can do. Uh, The hoarder OAP who faces eviction. And uh, will Mother Teresa be a saint by next year? Do you know, I thought she was a saint already. For some reason, I just, I always sort of had her deified. So I assume that was, uh, that was okay. We take all your texts and emails on the programme this morning. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we'll have the papers and we'll just sort of sort of meander through life until 6.30 this morning. It's quite nice to meander. I think meandering is a very good word. But I got outside today and it was just windy. Then it started to rain. I got in the wrong cab. The cab. What are, what are the chances of this? I have the, the car number plate that is sent to me and I can track the car. So the car sort of comes around the corner and it pulls in and it's it's. It's, well, I thought in my mind it was the same number plate. It turned out that it wasn't. There was one letter different at the end of the, of the number plate. But, of course, I didn't remember that bit. So I get in the car and there's a woman driving, which, uh, which in itself is actually quite unusual. There aren't that many women driving at that time of the morning, probably because they probably think it's a bit dangerous. Anyway, this woman, she has a thick accent. Maybe she's from Russia or something like this. So I get in the car. So... Um, so I go, can you move, move the seat forwards? <laughs> I'm thinking, it doesn't quite look like the sort of car I would normally get in. But anyway, I mean, it's, it seems to be right. So I get in. So she says, uh, I, I, I know a working car. I said, your pardon? 
I, I know working car. I said, oh, right. I said, what's the, what's the register? So by this time, we've, we're pootling up the road. We're pootling up the road. So we've, we've done about sort of, you know, five, six minutes. So I said, what's your car number plate? So she said, so, 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 so. And then she gave me the last read. I said, I'm in the wrong car. So she, oh, sorry. So she pulled into the side of the road. I'm so sorry about that. I forgot to do it. That's, that's me being very remiss this morning. I, sh- I, shall, I shall turn it off immediately. Oh, we've got a mooing Christmas card. I got one that sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing the other day. It was a choir, but of course, being, being oh, sorry, but being, being made in, uh, in China, it's a rather tinny version. I think they must have sort of trawled the archives. And a mooing card, that's slightly disturbing, isn't it, really? What does that say? Oh, I wish this bloody phone had stopped. I can't, I can't turn it off quick enough now. Wait a minute. Can I hear a mooing card? What does it sound like? I've not had a mooing card. I've had, I've had sheep. I've turned it off now. I've turned it off, seriously. I've turned it off, because I couldn't, I couldn't adjust the... Does it actually moo? It does. Oh, I say, oh, look, it's... Oh, well, I've always wanted Highland cattle. <laughs> Slightly disturbing. And again? Who does that remind me of? If I, Oh, it'll come to me later. <laughs> I've always fancied Highland... If ever I won the lottery, I thought I'd buy an estate and have Highland cattle. I've got a fancy Highland cattle. I'll keep you one. So, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Just a lot of grooming, I should imagine. But they do look quite nice. A mooing... Have you ever heard of such a thing? A card that moves for Christmas. I get Hark the Herald Angels sing. He gets uh, Highland cattle, which is nice, isn't it? Thank you. Incidentally, you know that I love any cards that light up uh, or make noises. That, that, that would be the kind of card to send us. So lighting up cards and noises cards, please. We go, we go for those in a, in a big way. I like that kind of thing. Yesterday, now you remember that my poor accountant had had a fall, so therefore was running a bit behind with everything. And he's moved his offices from London because there's no point in having terribly, terribly expensive offices in London when he can effectively work from home. All you have to do is you just pack your stuff up, you stick it in a jiffy bag and you send it down there. So it's, it's all fairly straightforward. And for me, it's, it's fairly straightforward. It's not complicated accounting for mine. And so he said to me the other year, he said, we're sort of selling the offices here because they're worth quite a bit of money. It's, I think it's being converted into, into flats, at least three and uh, so they did very well on that. And so he's moved down home. Then I didn't hear from him for a while. And so he then said... So anyway, so he then, he, uh, he says, right, could you send me the stuff? So now I don't know whether you're aware, if you're a self-employed person, of how much paper you end up accumulating in the course of a year. And so I've got paper going back donkey's years. It's in carrier bags, it's in boxes, it's in all sorts of things, because you have to hang on to your accounts. And uh, so all we were looking for was from sort of last year to early part of this year. So I'm going, thinking, where is it? Where is it? And what I tend to do is I tend to sort of pile it all up, but I tend not to open, surprisingly, bank statements, because... I don't need to because I've got somebody who oversees my account, so I don't feel I need to look at them anyway. I'm not one of these people who checks bank statements. You know, it's it's just it's just one of those sort of things. Some people do it. Some people are very good and some people are, are not very good at it. And I'm one of those not very good people. I do not check bank statements. I don't need to. I know what goes out. I know exactly where I am financially. I know exactly how much money is in the account at any one time because it's what they call a top-up account. So it, it has a, a top-up level, and then if it drops down, it comes from another account. It's, it's fairly, fairly straightforward and fairly standard banking. So I'm going through the stuff yesterday, and I've decided I'm spreading it out on the floor. Well, you know, what with the eyesight and everything else, and the fact that I don't really have very bright bulbs in my place. I will from now on. And I'm looking for all the uh, 
uh, bank statements from 2014, from March, April, all the way up until uh, March, April this year. So, in fact, I did, I've filled a file with the, with the paperwork that came in and all the other bits and pieces you've got to hang on to. So I did that yesterday and it took about, about an hour. I'm determined this year to actually be better with it so that by the time we get round to next year, I'll be ahead of the game. And you know when you do it, as anybody will tell you, you it's a sigh of You feel like celebrating with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. So I did that yesterday and I thought, right, I'll, I'll do it in, in stages. Today, I was going to go round the post office with it in a nice new jiffy bag and have it sent registered posts or whatever the, whatever the best post is that can send it down there and it can get down there really fast to him because he's down the other end of the country. So, marvellous postal system, so I should be doing that later. So, so that was the thing, and I thought, I'll do that this morning. And then they phoned me yesterday. They said, Steve, Richard Hammond's coming in this morning. Can you do him? And I said, yes. Because remember last time he was up at Sky and the traffic is such a nightmare up there that he then cancelled us. So, uh, OK. So anyway, so it's, it's come back on again which I thought it would. So he's coming in this morning. He's going to do a friend of mine, Chris's programme. And uh, then we're going to whiz him into a studio just down the bottom and I shall record him down there. Then I'm going to go back home. Then I'm going to go to the post office. Then I'm going to go to the chemist to go and get these new tablets. They've got these new tablets. Uh, I think they are designed for diabetics. I've tried the injection, uh, which was great. It's supposed to stop you eating. It's specifically designed. It's not available to everybody. You've got to get it on prescription. And it's an injection that, uh, that basically is an appetite suppressant. Unfortunately, in my business, it makes your mouth go extremely dry and you can hardly speak. You're constantly uh, having to lube yourself up, as they say. So, uh, and this new tablet, they have warned me. The side effect is you're going to be going to the toilet a lot. And I spoke to my friend Mike and he said, as a diabetic, he goes about every couple of hours anyway. Which I thought, blimey, that seems a bit excessive. So I'm going to get these tablets today and they're going to monitor me and sort of just make sure that it's all going OK. Because there, there could be the risk, as I said the other day, of a urinary infection. So for all diabetics, actually there, there is a big piece on diabetes in the papers today, which I always scan. This time they're, they're talking about preventing it with Viagra. Fat lot of use that'll be to most diabetics because you can actually get Viagra based on the fact that you are a diabetic because impotence problems... I don't want to sort of hold my hands up and say, not in this neighbourhood. But, uh, but for a lot of people, it can actually affect them. But now that we're told that uh, the, the key to a happy marriage is once a week making love, many of you be breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> that old joke, isn't it? Would you like to tonight? Head- headache. OK, fine. Uh, next night, uh, right, um, um, maybe, maybe tonight, Some, sometime, you know, headache again, is it? Oh, right. Next night, take this aspirin before you go to bed. What for? I haven't got a headache. Good. <laughs> but once a week, apparently, once a week making love is the key to a happy marriage. I always thought the key to a happy marriage was separate bedrooms and loads of money in the bank account and being able to eat cream cakes and chicken and chips and fish and stuff like that. But apparently that is not the case, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, Daz says, mooing on the radio. Mm. Yes, Okai the moo. We've had all those gags as well. I think it's quite, I don't think it's clear. When you look at what you can do nowadays, I remember opening up a card once, and, and I, I am strange. They used to have a presenter, as you all know, called Mike Dickin, and Mike Dickin hated Christmas. A bit like my friend Jez. My friend Jez is Mr Humbug. He hates it. And to annoy Mike one year, we took one of those cards... Uh, and we took it apart, and it had the little musical thing in it, and it comes with the batteries, and we hid it behind one of the boards in the office. So all he could hear when sitting in the office was, 
And it went on forever and a day. The batteries, I think, lasted the best part of four days. It drove him mental. Mental. I was happy to, to sort of cheer him up. I thought I might do it, actually, for my friend Ches. He hates things like that. He just doesn't like anything to do with Christmas, to trees, orange, anything. Just real miserable. Real miserable. But if I told you what he got up to yesterday, you'd be going, oh, well, he's been decking the halls with boughs of holly, hasn't he? Quarter past four. Nick with you this morning at seven with further police spending cuts of up to £800 million expected and a £2 billion boost needed for the military. Should we scrap HS2 to pay for it and keep the UK safe? Should Marks and Spencers consider uh, whether or not they should sell a range of toiletries called ISIS? Do they really sell a range of toiletries called ISIS? <laughs> Seriously? The court decides immigrant spouses must speak English before entering the UK. Is it fair? Yep, absolutely. What's the point of coming here if you can't speak English? We spend an absolute fortune in the courts on translators and everywhere. They seem to use them all around the world at immigration. I can understand, but in the court system, they have translators sitting in there. As you know, after I did jury service. And a mother stands by her partner even after a court jails him for abusing her daughters. We asked one of the abused, is that the ultimate betrayal? Chris Blackhurst, columnist for the Evening Standard, is looking at the papers for today. Warren has smashed his car. Uh, The reason he did, and he's very upset, as I can well imagine, a fox darted in front of me. They do do that, foxes, don't they? Uh, To be honest with you, um, I would have just run it over. You know, foxes should realise now. I told you, we had a thing uh, a while ago. There was the fox, which I think lives in our car park at the back. Uh, Well, it did, because it's dead now, and it lay by the side of the road for the best part of a number of hours before the council came and removed it. it. You see, as far as I'm concerned, anything that runs into the road... Somebody said to me the other day, we were out there, oh, you just nearly missed a squirrel. I said, listen, I'm certainly not going to risk my car for the sake of a squirrel. And at this time of year, there's lots of little baby squirrels around, and foxes as well, who aren't maybe as aware as they should be. So I know how you feel. Oh, blimey, gonna, that's going to be a nice thing on the insurance, isn't it? Just, just the kind of thing you want. Just the kind of, not just the kind of thing you don't want. Just the kind of thing you don't want. Absolute pain, it really is. I just know so many people were uh, were up with me this morning. I was so, it was so cold. It was so miserable. And I came outside, you know, and, and because I I'd actually done the paperwork yesterday, it's all in the folder. It's just got to go to the post office today, so I can get it down there for the weekend. And uh, and I looked at the weather, and I thought, oh. God. I don't, I mean, you know, it doesn't bother me that time of the morning. And I'm looking at the Christmas lights, some of which are on. And I've got a thousand lights on my, my tree, so I'm very happy about that. It's just that it's miserable. And then it started raining and I felt more miserable. So I said, you know, actually, I, what, what I would give for a toasted ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, if a van had passed in front going, toasted ham and cheese, Steve, I'd have gone, yes, please. Or a coffee or a jumper I wrote or a chocolate biscuit. <laughs> Stephen Milne sympathised with me, as indeed to most people, and uh, fat as well. And it was also, then it became windy. So it was windy, and then it was raining, and I still hadn't had my ham and cheese, and I was a little bit sort of fed up with it. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to get into work, have a cup of coffee. So I came into work, I've had a cup of coffee, and I feel a lot better about life, which is quite nice. So somebody suggested, Bradley, bring a comb. I don't think my hair has actually seen a comb at all. Oh, yeah, well, well, there was no... uh, uh, finishing off Carl about the uh, about getting in the the wrong car I just got in the car and when she told me her number plate I said I'm in the wrong car I said you need to turn around and drop me back home again but she didn't she just pulled into the side of the road so I trudged back and then got the new one who turned up with no lights on no lights on I said you've got no lights on shouldn't really have to explain that to somebody should you uh fat as well up this morning Brasovka 
Is that my good pronunciation? Is, it, is that good pronunciation this morning? I don't know, actually. I'm never too sure with my with my pronunciation. <coughs> oh dear, sorry, excuse me. I haven't actually coughed for ages and ages. Phil Vickery keeps doing all these great recipes, and I keep sitting there looking at them, thinking. Because I said the other day, I said, if you were married to Phil Vickery, every day must be a revelation. Can we have a pie today? I'd love it if somebody made pie, a thin pie, you know, a pie for people who who can't really eat pastry. Well, we can eat it. It's just that we're not particularly good at uh, eating it. Uh, Stephen Milne was the one. He's on the television this morning. And uh, he says, this is when we did avocado on toast with black pepper. I bought it, do you know what I bought the other day? I bought, I think the producer's got one this morning. I think it's chicken and avocado. It's delicious. I mean, it really is delicious. There's something nice about it. Something nice about it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, an appetite suppressant, Steve? Just think of Emma Collins in the jungle with no clothes on. Ooh, scary. Very scary. Scary. Uh, Winnie says, I've just taken my lovingly wrapped Christmas decorations out and I'm salivating because I can't because I want to put them up and decorate the tree. But I can't do it until the 1st of December because it seems wrong. Yeah, some people say that, don't they? They say you can't do this because it's not, you know, it's not the right time of year. Well, my Christmas tree is up outside. There'll be one for inside as well. And uh, I don't differentiate. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's just... Christmas lights. It doesn't. It doesn't actually make any difference, does it? Really? Well, I hope not. I hope not. A Mars Spencer is really selling a, a range of beauty products called Isis. I mean, I know that Isis. That sounds very Egyptian, doesn't it? And I'm assuming that's what they've got. But you would have thought in this day and age, somebody in marketing might have uh, might have thought perhaps we should cha- change it to something else. You know, it would make more sense, wouldn't it? Make much more sense. This 4am spike is driving me mad, says Lisa. I know. How do you think I feel? Said, I wake up, I have trouble going back to sleep, so I put the radio on, but then I'm too interested in what you're talking about, and then there's no chance of ever getting back to sleep. I know. That's the, that's the, now, that's the interesting thing. You've actually hit the nail on the head and why LBC is so successful and why, in particular, at four in the morning, when some of you are, are coming in from work and some of you are just sort of lying there in bed thinking, it's four o'clock in the morning... You know, I have managed quite successfully to turn around your life. But if this was music, you would have no trouble going to sleep at all. Because music just lulled... I mean, I could sit in the back of a car and just go... And go out for the count. I fell asleep on the train the other day. It was lovely. And when I woke up, I looked around thinking, I wonder if I've dribbled. You know when you lean up against the window and you wake up and people are looking at you and you think, oh, I've either snored or I've dribbled or I've made made noises. Whatever, you get to a certain age and you make noises. All sorts of noises from every orifice. And, but if you're listening to speech on the radio, you tend not to go to sleep. And the reason you... T- oh, it is called Isis. Autograph Isis, eau, eau de toilette. I think it must be the Egyptian thing then, isn't it? That's, that's the connection. The Egyptian thing. Isis. Dude, it does seem slow. You'd have thought they actually could... I suppose they've got millions of bottles of it, so what are they going to do? They're hardly going to sort of change it, are they, M&S? Nick will talk about it a little bit later on this morning. So that's why you listen to speech on the radio and you can you can get quite into it. You don't actually feel tired because you can just lie there and it, it either washes, you know, over you or, or failing that, you know, you listen. And because the audience is so big at this time of the morning. I mean, it really is. It's absolutely enormous, which is, which is fantastic. Always very grateful. Always very grateful. Never surprised, though. Never, ever surprised. Never surprised at all. Because, you know, we've had people who've been listening for, for 30 years. I have said before, you know, this, this, this programme is for adults. We don't, we don't sort of, we, we, we can't do the, 
the uh, the mentally challenged. We can't do people like that at all because they're actually sort of, you know, the sort of people who really, they don't have any friends and they're a bit lonely at this time in the morning. So we don't actually bother with them. We, we kind of leave them to one side. And because they've gone into into a sin bin, it actually makes it more entertaining for me because now now the uh, the sin bin has vanished completely, which I was a bit uh, a bit surprised at. I didn't I didn't think it had actually gone completely, but it has. It has. Uh, I'll bring in the weather a little bit later on. We will talk about uh, Charlie Sheen, who lavished a million pound on sex workers in a year, despite knowing he was HIV positive. And, uh, and then his ex-girlfriend, she says he's a monster. It's funny, actually, because he's known about it for four years, and apparently he told them all. So it didn't actually come as, as, any, uh, as any surprise. As any surprise. At all. Uh, another one here. The, uh, this is uh, Dara Breen, talking about the future of food. And uh, he says, I've seen it, and it's pretty weird. Artificial meat, artificial cheeses. You get these in, in sandwiches nowadays. Printed pasta, you know, lasting pizza, tomatoes. I don't know if you've been out recently and you've seen uh, the amount of tomatoes that are available. The, I mean, the tomatoes that we're bringing into the country and that we're growing here now, I didn't realise that there were this many uh, different varieties. I mean, some of them are absolutely zebra striped tomato, all sorts of things, and really good for you. But when you look at, you know, miracle berries, and they go, oh, this is a miracle berry. You need to, you need to eat this one. You know, kojo berries are good for you. That's good for you. This is good for you. And then you realise what actually goes into the sandwiches which you're eating. And in and in some some of the cases, the stuff isn't even what you think it is. You know, is it cheese? Ah, oh, well, it's sort of a cheese substitute. OK. Is it, would, would this be avocado? Mm, it's an avocado kind of substitute. It's made in a laboratory. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you've got to put up with now. Because you don't know, do you? You don't know. You've got no idea. No idea what's actually in that. And how many, how many times do you check? You don't. You see a sandwich. It's whether it looks appealing to you. And that's about as far as you get. You don't, you don't go, I wonder what the ingredients are, and turn it over. I never look at the ingredients on a sandwich. I look at the price. I'm governed by, does it look nice? I mean, at Marks and Spencer's do a coronation chicken sandwich. Well, I mean, it's lovely, but to be honest with you, it's the messiest thing you've ever eaten, because if you get that, uh, that curry sauce on you, you take forever to scrub it off. Take forever. I did actually have chicken yesterday with rice and mushrooms with a, with a light curry sauce over the top, which you buy as, a, as, a, as an added extra. I don't make anything. I can't, I can't cook anything. What's the point of doing it? That's what they make supermarkets for. They make them for people like me who want to go out there and just buy something. So if I want to do sweet and sour chicken, I go and buy some cooked chicken. I don't cook chicken. I'm not going to waste time doing that. I buy cooked chicken, cut it up, put it in with some noodles or something like that, pour on some sweet and sour sauce, leave it for 10 minutes, et voila. Dinner is served, which is good, which is good. Thank you, incidentally. I mean, I, I do keep saying, you know, about the 4 a.m. spike, and it is, it's quite hilarious when you actually see it. Because when you see it for the first time, you think, gosh, I mean, it's, everybody's listening to it. Absolutely everybody's listening at this time of the morning. So I shall tell all of you, as we head into uh, to Christmas today, and I'll just lose my screen with the ISIS thing on it. Can I lose my screen with the ISIS thing on it? That's lovely. And I'll tell you, it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to... Uh, Five. Uh, migrants must speak English. A judge has ruled. If you're coming to this country, you've got to have a command of the language. If you were going to live in Germany, you'd have to have a command of the language. Go to live in Spain, it helps to speak a bit of the language, make some sort of effort. So that's a good idea. I mean, you don't want people who are sort of arriving who don't speak a word of it. What's the point? 
What is the point? It only it, it then produces ghettos. And the one thing we don't want is ghettos. We want everybody to to integrate, everybody to be uh, to be out there having a, having a bit of fun and having a bit of a, a laugh coming up to Christmas. Which let's face it, we could certainly do with one. Over in the jungle, they're not really having much fun. You've got the rather rather silly and uh, stupid Lady Colin Campbell. She's uh, she's not really particularly grand or anything else. She's just a bit of an old fraudster. And that's why she turns them on the television. I mean, it, it made me laugh. They sort of, she just stands there looking like somebody who really has let herself go, hasn't made any effort whatsoever. That's how you know she's, uh, she's cash poor. And uh, she showered wearing bright scarlet socks. So, in other words, soaking wet socks. She, her feet must be the worst ever, I should imagine. Her granddad, they, people call her posh. She's not posh. It's like Victoria Beckham. They called posh. She wasn't posh at all. She's never been posh. Victoria Beckham's not posh. She'd like to think she is because she's got loads of money, but believe you me, loads of money doesn't make you posh. Some of the poshest people I know have got, <coughs> excuse me, diddly squat, and yet they know how to speak because they've had an education. Whereas uh, Lady C just happened to marry some old buffer, uh, kept it for 14 months, and then started using the title. You know, she's always relied on other people. Her, her grandfather was a dry goods shopkeeper in Jamaica. And so she's on here. I felt a bit sorry for Spencer Matthews, because quite clearly his agent must have just wrung his hands. They can't get him anything at all. Because this show is for Z-listers. This show is for people who don't have any hope in their life, and they need to try and either resurrect a career. Spencer Matthews doesn't have a career. He's not resurrecting anything at all. He's, he thinks he's appearing on something that people are going to be interested in him. He's going to get no coverage in here at all. Nothing. They're more interested in, uh, in, in Lady C. Because she's the barking mad one in there. She's the eccentric. But we call John McCrick eccentric for that read. Stuck up his own rear end. John McCrick was a complete dinosaur. A complete dinosaur. He was a waste of space. You know, so in the case of Lady C, you know, she's not very clever. She's not very bright. She needs the money. That's why she's in there. But, uh, but uh, to put poor old Spencer Matthews in there, oh dear, I feel so sorry for you, dear. Because in Made in Chelsea, you can sort of dominate the programme, because you bully all the people around you and all the girls seem to flock to your bed. Can't imagine why. We've all seen the video. And, uh, and so he's had to go out there because there's nothing else for him to do. There's nothing else. I mean, what does he do? Nothing. I mean, does he have a job? I've never seen him actually do anything. Uh, Kieran Dyer. I mean, pff, who cares? Kieran who, they're saying, in the jungle. Uh, Georgie Porter. And, uh, and then when she squealed the other day, oh, there are cockroaches in my G-string. I'm sorry, you've scraped the barrel, dear. We've seen your legs in the shower, and at the moment, old Colin Campbell's doing a little bit better than you. Uh, George Shelley, um, I don't really know what, he's, what, what sort of game he's actually playing at out there. I cannot imagine why he was persuaded to do it. I cannot imagine. But apparently they say here, uh, he may fell, uh, fall prey to the women in the camp. I don't think so. Listen... They knew about him outside. He knew about them outside. You know, if you wanted to meet any of these people, you could have done it. To hang around with Georgie Porter or whatever her name is, you know, the one with the odd-shaped legs, you know, is possibly a downward turn. I thought you're supposed to be elevating your sort of, you know, your sort of status, but it's not going to happen, is it, really? He's also uh, flirted with Fern McCann. That's the foul mouth one. That's the, the navvy. Seriously, you've never heard such filth emanating from a mouth. And Vicky Patterson, not a very pleasant person at all. So he's, I mean, somebody needs to be whispering in his earpiece. Stay away from them. Stay away, they're mad. Try and ingratiate yourself to the, to the woman who's getting all the coverage in all the papers. Oh, Colin Campbell. I don't, I don't subscribe to this lady, lord, all this kind of muck. It's, it's just a title. I never bestowed it on her. She's just, she's Colin Campbell. I'm assuming she has a woman's name somewhere. I don't know what it is, but they call her Colin Campbell. Uh, but I've got no idea what her name is. What is her name, actually? 
Oh, is that, does she have a proper name? She must have a name somewhere, mustn't she? Sort of Ethel or something like that. Uh, also, um, oh dear, what has he done to himself? Poor old Ray Quinn. Ray, Ray Quinn uh, did Dancing on Ice in 2009. In fact, he actually won Dancing on Ice in 2009. And so now he's decided that he's going to go to the gym and butch himself up, which he has done. And so before he looked like the wholesome boy next door, he could do his pantomimes and everything else. Now he's fallen into that trap of going to the gym. His arms are the size of, I don't know, like, like some bodybuilder here. Uh, he was at a gym and uh, he has a son with an actress. Their three-year marriage ended earlier this year. And uh, he's also had a, a, a bit of a struggle to get fit. Now he's, uh, he's sort of getting fit but as most bodybuilders will tell you, the first thing you do is start shaving your body. You don't want any hair on there. You have to show the definition. And he's, he's quite hairy, but he's covered in tattoos. I don't know in God's name what he thinks he's doing with his career. To me, in, this, in looking at this picture of the paper, he's thrown it away. Who was that idiot who went out with Jodie Marsh? Kenzie. Do you remember Kenzie then sort of set up a gym and everything else? And that was and that because his, his career in, in showbiz, laughingly, he was a member of uh, some group where they walked backwards and forwards and, you know, meet you at the crossroads, crossroads, meet you at the crossroads. And then he went out with Jodie Marsh, which was roughly akin. So, no, he wasn't so solid. No, he definitely, was he so? Oh, that was who did Crossroads. Was it so solid, crew? There were loads of them, weren't there? I thought they came from all sorts of background. I mean, some of them, you know, it was like, it was a lot of kids from East London who kind of started talking like that, you know, thinking they were black for some incredible reason. A little bit like, who was the one in, um, oh, now we can't remember any of them. Who's the, who's the one who went round, round the barmy and uh, talk, talked like this all the time? And he, he turned up on the television, now a gentleman farmer, apparently, or something. He was another one of those barking mad people. Kenzie did it, going to the gym, and started blazing squad... I thought he wasn't so solid. I just, uh, that's all right. That's the producer Will. I um, <laughs> fat producer Will. <laughs> fat producer, fat presenter. I mean, what can I tell you? The fat pre- it makes it sound like the fat controller, doesn't it? Really, I quite like that idea because when you see it in terms of context on the television, the fat controller is quite funny. I think we're quite funny in our own little way. Especially at 20 to 5 in the morning. There's not many people who can get a laugh out of something at this time of the morning. We are one of the few. So, uh, so poor old uh, Ray Quinn. I don't know what he's done here. I mean, really. Perhaps he's just going to give up show business and just sort of... Because, I mean, if you were doing a pantomime and he's playing principal boy, you don't want to see anybody turning up with tattoos on, I'm afraid. Oh, do. Oh, definitely not. Perhaps, perhaps he's, he's gone off the rails. Perhaps he's gone off. Perhaps he's just gone off, poor soul. Uh, Francesca said, did I mention I'm up with the 4am spikers? Well, you have to be if you're texting me at this time in the morning. That's what everybody else is doing. So you might as well join the happy little club, which is great. Uh, Blazing Squad. There you are. So everybody knew it was Blazing Squad, except except the producer. (laughs) So solid crew. (laughs) 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We were talking the other day. Actually, I was having a long conversation with a friend of mine, John. And we were talking about saving money. And uh, and he said, if I've got, he said, I can save up money. He said, if I've actually got it, he said, I'll spend it. So he was looking at a suit the other day of 900 quid. And uh, and I then sort of, uh, I said, actually, I'm really good at saving money. I mean, I'm, I'm really exceptionally good at saving money. Well, actually, that's a fib. My bank manager is better at saving my money than I am. I've got all my savings plans and I've got my... Uh, uh, my uh, savings plans, which are running for years, and I've got my uh, insurance policies, and I've got all sorts of things, because I was doing it from the age of 16, but I'm actually getting better at doing it, because now I'm even more concerned about it. 
Now I'm even more concerned about saving the money. So, in fact, I've always got money on me. But, in fact, I think to myself, do I need anything? Yesterday, I thought to myself, perhaps I need to drive to Costco and I'll go and get... What was it I was going to get? I was going to go and get something. Oh, that's right. I was... <laughs> washing tabs. You know, washing tabs do some washing. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I can't be bothered. I'll just walk round the corner to Waitrose. So that's exactly what I did. And, and I thought, actually, yesterday I did quite well. I didn't spend very much money at all. And, uh, and John was sort of saying, he said, I find it impossible to save money. He said, I, I can save it. He said, but once I see something I want, then I spend it. And I said, I like spending. I said, I love spending it on other people. I'm very good at that. And we are, we've got, oh, God, between now and Christmas, how are we going to fit in? And I'm sure we're not going to manage it. Two afternoon teas, two breakfasts. I've got, God, I've got one, two, three lunches in Twickenham. I've got one in town with some friends of mine coming down from Manchesterford. And then I've got tea this Saturday, coffee this Saturday, and then tea this Saturday. It's just... You need a social diary. If ever I won a huge amount of money on the lottery, uh, the first thing I would do is employ a PA. The PA would be the godsend. That would be the person who would sort everything out. So you would say to them, you know, something would come in and they say, all oh, right, you need to get the car serviced. Uh, I've arranged that. It'll be back with you tomorrow. And you think, fantastic. OK, here is your Christmas card list. Sign all these cards. I'll put them in the post later on. OK, fantastic. That's what you'd want. That would be the ultimate, wouldn't it? I feel a bit like Camilla running Kids' Company. Oh, where can we spend the money on next, ladies and gentlemen? Where should we waste the money? Oh, I know. Let's send the chauffeur's kids to uh, posh school. Let's send somebody first class across the Atlantic. Let's buy myself another, another gigantic outfit. I see Kelvin McKenzie repeated my gag the other day. The gag being when she takes all those clothes off, she's actually a little thin thing in the middle, wrapped around with 46 million. But he only, he only put 40 million down. I knew it was 46 million, so I said 46 million. But I did the gag three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. It's, you know, very late on that one. Very, very late. Uh, 84850, steve at Um It was Abs. Abs Bream. The, the, the guy who talks as if he's Jamaican or something. He comes from Enfield. He comes from Enfield. What is it? You, you see these kids on the television sometimes. Yeah, of course, they're talking like this man and it's wicked and all the rest of it. Where are you from? Where are you from? Nobody talks like that. Unless you're from Kingston, Jamaica. Oh, dear, it's ridiculous. Thank you. Everybody knew who Blazing Squad were. You must be of a certain age this morning. Every single person. had about 20 people writing in saying, it's Blazing Squad, Steve. It's Blazing Squad. Thank you. <laughs> uh, another one here. Oh, Jonathan's over in uh, Spain listening to the programme this morning. But, of course, we knew he would be. We knew he would be. Uh, another one on the front page of the... Pa- in fact, there's a couple of stories in the, in the papers today. One is about uh, drivers. The others are about that uh, story which unfolded yesterday, which we started at 4.30. We broke the news at 4.30 yesterday morning that there was uh, a gun battle going on in uh, in France. The worst thing was that the um, the dog, they sent in a, a decorated police dog and uh, that died yesterday, which was a great shame. There was some woman bomber uh, who, who blew herself up and blew somebody else up with her. Obviously two cats. Do they have the death penalty in France? They don't, do they, I don't think. I don't really know very much about their, their judicial laws, but I just know that there were uh, something, you know, uh, roughly akin to quite a few hundred police officers on the street. Two dead. Eight were held. They raided this uh, ISIS flat. It's obviously a bigger problem than they ever imagined. And as yesterday, we were told that, uh, oh, don't worry, because we're, we're actually tightening up on the borders. People can't come in. People can't get out. It's a load of old rubbish. 
It's a load of old rubbish. And the reason I tell you it's a load of old rubbish is because there's a story in the paper today about a guy who, um, who we thought was staying in this country. Uh, he had different ideas. Even though he went to court saying that uh, he wasn't going to be leaving the country, he did. And you know who he is. You'll certainly recognise the picture when you see him in the paper today. I'll tell you about him in a moment. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company, as indeed it is every day of the week. Sally says, I'm applying for the vacancy of PA after you've won the lottery. Yes, I mean, that, that would be the ultimate thing to have. I always said, actually, my, my, my driver, Alan... From years ago, we always had this standard joke that if ever I won the lottery, he would just drive me permanently. That's what you would want. Alan would be driving me. I'd have a PA. Actually, Sally, uh, my friend Helena has already kind of bagsied the job. She said, listen, I'm I'm giving up my job, she said, at the bank, and I'll look after all your accounts, do everything for you. I said, well, you do that now anyway, which is the the nice thing. Uh, We're we're displaying the, uh, the... the plaster on the arm today. It's not. Uh, it's getting there. Actually, even I told you the other day. Even the doctor is very pleased with the way I seem to be self-healing, which is quite nice. Uh, the extremist duo. Here they are. This is the uh, the uglies. This is um, the vile preacher fleeing from the UK. But I think he's been stopped. His name is uh, Trevor Brooks, aka Abu Isadine from Clapton, a Jamaican-born dad of three, former BT electrician, a man with more hatred inside him than you could ever imagine. And uh, he was jailed for four and a half years in 2008 for inciting terrorism, jailed in 2014, uh, released but with passport withdrawn, but he's managed to get out of the country again. I think he's been arrested in Belgium. Oh, diddums. And uh, he's been travelling with a guy called Simon Keeler. Simon Keeler's another one with no, no brain capacity at all. He's, uh, he's also known as Suleiman Keeler. He's from Shadwell, an ex-engineer and dad of five, former follower of Omar Bakri. Found guilty in 2008 alongside Brooks. Uh, this is Trevor Brooks. This is the uh, one who's got, you know, that face contorted with hatred. And, uh, and they absolutely hate everything about him, and we hate everything about him. He's a man with uh, hardly any brain capacity at all. But, uh, Simon Keeler... Cleared at the Old Bailey of planning to travel to fight in Syria. Jailed for possessing fake travel documents released recently. He's another one. They're sad people. They're a bit sad. Nothing you could do about them. They tried to sneak out and they've been caught, I believe. I think they've been caught, I'm pretty certain, in uh, Belgium. I think so. So uh, let's get out of the country very quickly. To be honest with you, I don't know why these people bother staying here. They're, They're simpletons. We need to get rid of them as quickly as possible. I just have them, so you know, just take them, push them out of an aircraft somewhere, somewhere over the uh, the North Atlantic, I think. You know, so he's managed to flee. He's got a travel ban. So much for I wonder how Mr. Cameron's going to explain this one away. So there's a travel ban on, ban on him. He's been nicked on his way to Syria with this British pal. They're both like-minded. Perhaps they're an item. Who knows, ladies and gentlemen? You can never tell, can you, in this day and age? But they're more than happy to sort of dump the kids and the wife over here and go and do their little rantings and ravings to anybody who will be sad enough to listen to them. But uh, I love the idea that he doesn't have a passport. He's managed to get out of the country. Obviously, those border controls are not as strict as we thought. Hey-ho, here we go. Hey-ho, here we go. But, uh, you know, we're told Theresa May, oh, yes, we'll be checking everybody coming in. We can't stop them going out now, let alone coming in. Uh, one here says, um, I can also apply for the, uh, for the job of, uh, of your PA. Actually, you would certainly find it entertaining. Would, you would certainly find it entertaining. <laughs> certainly never a dull moment as it is. Uh, on the subject of... Uh, oh, look, we've got lovely Jan, uh, Jan back with us. And she says it's so true. 
Jan, as you know, is our lovely friend down at the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch. And she says, I cannot get back to sleep once the programme starts. So I have to go to bed really early, knowing that I'll wake up at 3.30. By midday, I'm ready to sleep again. My life is centred around the 4am spike. It, that's, well, that's exactly what it shows in the audience figures. It is that. People do... T- I mean, yesterday, uh, I made after I'd done my little bits and pieces and had some tea and uh, watched a little bit of television, and then I thought, I'm going to go to bed. And I climbed into bed, and I'm out for the count. But I'm awake early enough to sort of get myself... I like to, I like to have a leisurely pull-yourself-together kind of thing. I check the internet, I check my emails, and uh, see what's actually on the agenda for the day ahead. And then, uh, and then I sort of have my shower, or have, uh, have my wash, have a shave, cup of coffee... And uh, and then and generally speaking, I, t- I can time it to the second. I've been doing it for such a long time. It's no hardship to me at all. I love every minute of it. So I know exactly what you mean, Jan. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, and you're, you're in keeping with, with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other people. People who sort of, you know, get out there, they go in their black cabs, uh, or other cabs are available, uh, or they're delivering, or they're going home, or they're working in hospitals. They can be doctors, they can be nurses, people at the end of a night shift. All sorts of people listen to the radio in the early hours of the morning. And we like to encompass everybody. Bus drivers, bus conduct, everybody. Train drivers getting ready to go on shift. Everybody listens to the to the programme because you want to know what's going on, but you don't want it to be sort of a little bit down, you know, because if you wake up feeling, you know, particularly, then it's not going to make your day feel much better, is it? You want something that's going to kind of lift the spirits. And also, as it's coming up to Christmas, people start panicking around this time. Money. That's what people panic. If you've got kids and frankly, it's your own business, uh, you know, you've got to you've got to buy presents. For kids, because they expect presents. doesn't matter which religion you are. Everybody gets some sort of gift around the festive season. And it's difficult for parents to try and manage. I always say to people every year, just try and keep a, a lid on the spending a little bit. Just try and keep a lid on it. Because January is a long month. Six weeks. From the moment you get paid, which will be before Christmas, to the uh, end of January is about six weeks. And that's a long time. And then you get your money in at the end of January. And then what happens? The bills start arriving. And that's the bit. And we've all been in that situation where you think, oh, look, I'm actually quite straight this month. Got a little bit of money. Oh, my Godfathers, where did that come from? Because you tend to forget. If you stick stuff on credit card, you tend to forget what you've bought. You tend to forget how much you've spent. So that's why I always say to people, you know, that's why I always give cash gifts to about one, two, three, to four people I buy gifts for, five, five people I buy gifts for, I give them money. And that way it's easily solved. And for other people who, who require a present, and it's not that, I should get the producer a little something, a little box of chocolates or something like that, something for the festive season, naked Santa, quite like that idea, I think. <laughs> Four pounds in Iceland. I don't think it's a naked Santa, but they've, they've got a snowman and stuff like that. And he'll like something like that. It's a simple little, simple little gift for the festive season. So it, it, it's, it's, it's managing it. And I know it sounds terribly patronising, but I was in exactly the same position years ago. I was in terrible financial straits. Terrible financial straits. I can remember getting a letter from the bank manager. I can, I can remember to this day going in there, just about. And because uh, he said, he said, I need to see him bring your, your checkbook in. And, uh, and he took my, my checkbook away from me. <laughs> It was about 30 years ago, 35 years ago. He took the checkbook away from me. He said, right, <coughs> he said, we need to draw up a plan of how you're going to sort of manage your money. And we sat down and we did that silly column, you know, that you do nowadays. This is how much... People who go to Australia who want to go and live abroad, they do a column of... This is how much we've got coming in. 
This is how much we got going out. And I liked to make sure, and I certainly do now and have done for the past 30 years, that the, uh, the, the money coming in far exceeds the money going out. I like to know exactly what's going out. I don't like to have too many direct debits. I really don't want lots and lots of direct debits. You know, I like to know exactly what's going out at the end of each month. So we've got a very small mortgage and we've got the usual sort of electricity and gas and phone and stuff like that going out. But I like to keep a tab on it. I don't have any store cards. I've got nothing like that. It's the best way to do it. It's the easiest way for me. So I can I, I know exactly what I'm spending. When I put Petra in the car, I pay cash. So I'm not going to have any surprises on my credit card at the end of each month. And you have to do it. And it's not just coming up to Christmas. It's for the remainder of the year. Because the amount that you spend over this Christmas is going to reflect probably for about the, the half of next year. And, it's, and if you've got kids, they, want the, they don't understand what money is. They've got no idea, have they? If you've got three and five-year-olds, they've got no idea. Not a clue about money. When you get a bit older, they might have some idea because they've got to buy presents themselves. So uh, let's hopefully this year we'll actually all manage to get through it in, uh, in one piece without actually uh, sort of getting ourselves into, uh, into terrible trouble. It, c- it could be easily done, actually. Um, Ian reckons that we could stick uh, Camilla and Yvette Fielding in a new, um, in a new uh, film about ghost busting. Oh, I don't know. I'm not too sure about Camilla. I don't like something about her I don't like. I'm not too sure, actually. Uh, Ross says, I walked into my local M&S in Royal Tunbridge, Wales. Oh, he's so posh. And all their ISIS products were displayed on a table with a big red sign saying 75% off. They're offering discounts on everything at the moment. Every time you go in somewhere, it's two for three. Or sorry, three, three for two. Two for three wouldn't be very good, would it? Three, three for two. Uh, or this up to 50% off. I'm never sure if they're telling you the truth. I'm always very sceptical about things like that. It's like, you know, they go and three three tubes of toothpaste and you only pay for two. And you think, why would you want three tubes of toothpaste? I mean, how much toothpaste do you get through nowadays? I do buy packs of six in Costco, but that's just me. In fact, I went out the other day and I bought some more and I got back in and I looked up on one of the shelves. Oh, God, I've already got the blasted stuff. Uh, Terribly sad, says Noreen, that the police dog died yesterday. It is actually. But uh, they're going off uh, to see uh, some of my favourites tonight. Herman's Hermits, no Peter Noon. That's in the spring. Steve Ellis, Union Gap without Gary Puckett. Chris Farlow, the new Amen Corner. And then tomorrow we're off to Southend to see Marmalade. Oh, bloody, oh, blada, life goes on. Did you see the programme on the television about the Beatles? It was a fantastic programme. It really made you realise that the Beatles really were the very first supergroup in this country. And their songs are as good now, if not better, than they were when we played them years ago. I remember sitting down with my cousins and we had a stack of Parlophone 7 inches, putting them onto the, uh, onto the record player. It was fantastic, and then sort of hoping you could probably get about six to play, and uh, and thinking, my God, if only I'd kept all those 45s, if only I'd kept all the Beatles albums. I do have them, but they're all on iTunes now, but if only I'd kept them. Remember years ago, I told you, uh, I was offered a set of, they were selling them in a, in a store, Beatles albums, but in gold vinyl. Gold vinyl. Oh, I wish I'd bought them. They'd be worth a fortune nowadays. Uh, in the papers this morning, being Thursday, the 19th of November, caught on CCTV, the jihadis gun rampage at the pizzeria. 53% of you in a recent survey want to bar EU citizens from moving to the UK permanently. Sheen's a monster, says his ex-girlfriend. She's just the first, probably, of many. The BBC to act sporting programmes. They're saying darts and snooker, and yet they still employ 129 press officers. 
to tell you they're axing darts and snooker. But to be honest with you, I don't look at them as a sport. I look at a sport as something physical. I don't call standing there, you know, potting balls into holes and uh, throwing darts at a board sport. It's a complete waste of time and money. I'm Steve Allen. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up to four minutes past five. It's Thursday, the 19th of November. This is Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC through until 6.30. Was the terror mastermind killed in that siege the other day? They've got two bodies they've not identified as yet. The pigeon that can recognise breast cancer. They're training more and more animals. Uh, the stretch mark creams, total waste of money, says Dawn French. She subscribes to just cold cream, which is good enough. Darts and snooker could be axed on the BBC as part of a £150 million cutback. All talk, I mean, really, to be honest with you, does anybody bother watching things like that anymore? The key to a blissful marriage, make love once a week. Mother Teresa could be a saint by next year. And Black D facing jail over drugs charges. All good. I was like it. Let's get her into prison as soon as possible. I'm sick to death with these stupid people turning up on my television. Thank you very much indeed. We don't want them any more. It's uh, very, very tedious. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We should put uh, everything in on the programme between now and uh, and 6.30. Les says, I never say Christmas. I always say festive season because of the people I work with. Who are you working with? Of course you can say Christmas. say Christmas to anybody. But he says, "I, I, I, I like Merry Christmas. Merry Xmas just about covers it, I suppose. But festive season just sounds a bit mamby-pamby, doesn't it? Oh, welcome to the festive season. Uh, Pret a manger produced the best sandwiches, Steve. Um, what was the one that I liked from there, actually? Pret a manger did a baguette, and I think it was cheese and chutney, which I quite like, actually. I mean, both very bad for you, the chutney and the, uh, and the cheese. Uh, Shirley T still listening? Oh, I should imagine so. Uh, Dorman Dom says, I'm applying for your chauffeur PA bodyguard. <laughs> he said, plus I live near you, so that's OK. Wayne's in Barnsley, poor soul. We've all got our cross to bear. And um, I'm up with the spike this morning. Best thing about the podcast is if I leave the room or boil the, the noisy kettle, I stop the podcast and I don't miss anything, says Ree. Yes, I think that's a good idea, actually. I'm all in favour of people uh, downloading and doing the uh, the podcasting. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I mean, we do, you know, I don't want to sort of blow our own trumpet, but uh, our podcasts added all together uh, add up to the biggest podcasts on the station. I don't think we're telling a fib there. Uh, There is one particular show that actually gets more podcasts of that one show, but the rest of it is... uh, is our territory. And thank you for that. I'm very grateful. More of you download, the more money I take. I mean, wheelbarrows makes me much better. Uh, try and stick with it in the jungle. As I say, the Z-listers are out there now. They've stuck in Vicky Patterson, a foul-mouthed woman. Uh, Fern McCann really shouldn't have been allowed out of Essex. I mean, well, actually, she should have been allowed out of Essex, but never allowed back in again. And poor old Spencer can't get arrested. Matthews, very embarrassing, honestly. Somebody who claims to be so well-heeled and yet suing such a down-market programme. Very, very embarrassing. Um, there's also the fact that snow is on the way. Snow is on the way. You've had the rain up north, and uh, now they're saying, get ready for the snow. So all those people who put up with the rain, and it eventually filters down here, you're going to get the snow as well. Hilarious. Love a bit of snow. Don't want to drive in it over Christmas. Don't want to drive in it over Christmas, so I don't, I don't mind just a little bit. I told you the other day, I have driven down the motorway in blinding snow. And I'm so worried, because my car's so heavy that it can slide. 
Sometimes the little cars do a little bit better. The heavier the vehicle, sometimes the worse it becomes. I've had a couple of sort of uh, little bits where I thought, ooh, not sure about that. So I like to be careful. Over in different countries, they put snow tyres on. We tend not to think that it's ever that bad. But I'm sure if you were in Scotland and the snows came down, you know, a tractor would be the ideal vehicle to keep. I don't uh, have a tractor. I just have a very, very heavy car. So no snow over Christmas because I'm doing a bit of driving. But it would be would be quite nice just to see just to see a little bit, just to see a little bit. I quite I quite fancy the idea of a little bit of snow, but uh, just enough to go. Look, it's snowing. Christmas morning. That'd be a treat, wouldn't it? Christmas morning. Uh, another one here. Oh, this is the story about the about the diabetes, which is in all the papers. They say it, uh, what could help prevent prevent diabetes? Viagra. Viagra, I know, I thought it was a bit strange. Apparently those with the most common form produce too little insulin or their body no longer responds to it. Experts found the sex drug, as they call Viagra, also known uh, to boost sensitivity to the hormones in individuals who are on the brink of diabetes. They claim a daily dose could help stave off the, uh, the disease. Yeah, but think of the side effects. Look at the side of it. Good God, honestly, I'm not sure I could walk around all day like that. But um, uh, the drug seems to reduce kidney and heart disease risk. Actually, I was quite pleased the other day when I went to the, the doctors. You always get, I get this twice yearly medical big blood test. Was it three times? It might be three times a year. And they take out a syringe full. Although this year they're going to have a bit of a problem for the next one because unless this, uh, this arm has healed up, we'll have to use the other arm for taking the blood. And even I can't see the veins in that one. And, uh, and we, we sort of check it all. Liver functions, perfect. Everything good. Everything good. Absolutely everything perfect. So, I mean, it's almost embarrassing, actually. I sit here, a fine figure of health, apart from the, uh, apart from the arm with the bandage. Uh, a good day ahead. In fact, actually, as we head into this weekend, I've had to start keeping a list uh, of all the things that are coming up. You know when you get to sort of Christmas and then people start saying, so you, you are coming down here and you, are, you will be doing... And you start thinking, I'm not surprised Sarah Ferguson, years ago, they went to her house and she had post-it notes everywhere. Now, I do keep post-it notes. I do have, but I, I go to Costco and I buy big, other, other places that sell them as well. They, um, big sort of packets of post-it notes and I write something, I go, right, da, 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 stick it on something. So I've got post-it notes. Not all over the place, not quite as bad as Sarah Ferguson, but it's enough to make sure that when you've got, you know, more than 10, 15 things to do in the course of the week, that you can manage to remember all of them. Because I know what's going to happen. At some point between now and Christmas, I'm going to be sitting at home and the phone's going to ring and they go, where are you? And I'm going to go, uh, I'm at home. And they're going to go, we're all waiting in the restaurant. I've just got this feeling. I've just got this feeling that I'm going to miss out on something. And it's, and it's, going, to be, it's going to be truly dreadful. So uh, I'm, I'm quite prepared for that. Quite prepared. Uh, other stories, they get no end of coverage in the paper for Adele's new album. So all they do is, in a, in a, in a cheap way to fill up a column, they just, uh, they just review the whole album. And so it takes up the whole of the column. Hardly worth bothering, actually, with anything else. The Christmas winner, for those people having Christmas on a budget, is as follows. A festive meal, £2.53 a head. £2.53. And for that, that's including everything. That's including turkey, roast potatoes, uh, Christmas pudding, Christmas cake... Uh, the carrots, the Brussels sprouts, the parsnips, the sage and onion stuffing, uh, the potatoes. <coughs> Sorry, a bit excited then, actually. £2.53. The brandy butter, the cranberry sauce, the mince pies. £2.53 a head. That's not bad, is it? This is how much you can do it for. All of those items that I mentioned, they're all available in different supermarkets. So, for example, if you go to Iceland, all of that there 
your your ten items. I think it's ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, eleven items. Whatever it is. Anyway, in uh, Iceland will cost you twenty four pounds eighty one. £24.81, that's all. If you go to Marks and Spencer's, it's £45.57. £47 over at Waitrose. Asda's, £32. Morrison's, £26. Lidl, £30. The Co-op, £30. Seems about the average, doesn't it? In in which case, it it works out for all of them um, at about three quid a head. Something like three quid a head. Which actually is not bad when you think about it. When you you go out to a restaurant, and I'm not decrying them because we've done it for years in the family. You know, they'll normally, I think last year, was it last year? The year before? Last year, I think there was about 10 of us, 10 or 11, whatever it was. It was a good lot of people. I think the average spend was something like 70 quid a head. It's so expensive to do. But what people say is, listen, mum's got to Christmas. She doesn't want to cook at Christmas. So we'll go out. But I think a lot of people are now looking at it going, I think they might stay in and have a buffet. <laughs> There's got to be cheaper ways of doing it, haven't there? Got to be cheaper ways than 70 quid a head. And that's just 70 quid. I mean, I don't know how much it is in some of the top London hotels, but I would imagine in excess of £100. I would imagine in excess of £100. I remember on New Year's Eve, some of the hotels were charging up to uh, to 500 quid. 500 quid. Uh, another one here from uh, from Kevin the Milkman. He says, don't tell Sam, Steve that the secret to a good marriage is to make love once a week. I don't know if I'm up for such frequency these days. Oh, we said in the Dairies Christmas video is now up on YouTube, our version of the 12 Days of Christmas. Check out, par- check out Parker Dairies Christmas. P-A-R-K-E-R, as in, yes, my lady. Parker Dairies Christmas on YouTube. And see and hear us in full festive flow. God blimey, you're not on it as well, are you? Oh, my Lord above. I might have to check that one out later on. And uh, <laughs> um, bacon and avocado baguette is my favourite. Oh, is that, you see, I, I mean, no, definitely the cheese thing. And bacon and avocado is a bit... Uh, I don't know, really. Chicken and avocado is much nicer, much nicer. So your Christmas winner is about £2.53 each. Which, when you consider hotels very, very expensive, it's uh, it's not bad value at all. Uh, the weekly Nuki. Sorry about this, Kevin. I have to do it again. Because uh, if you do have sex once a week, apparently you're the happiest. Producer's always a fairly jolly sort of chap, you know. They say, one, what do they used to say? It now takes me all night to do what I used to do all night. I think it's quite a good one. one, one once a week makes you happy. I think once a week makes most people happy. Experts ask 30,000 adults in romantic relationships to rate their lives. Does that go for all of it? You know, if you, if you get to sort of 70 or something like that, is it... St- do, 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 do you not... Bother? I don't know. I don't like to ask, really. Uh, those quiz repeated higher levels of satisfaction if they had nookie up to once a week. What's up to once a week? <laughs> up to once a week doesn't sound very good, does it, really? I mean, people always say, you know, but by the time people get married nowadays, the whole idea of getting married... Was then you, that was when you had your uh, uh, the ex. But, of course, nowadays, people are shacked up together, aren't they? They're living together. I mean, we had a couple in the paper the other day. He was 100-and-something, and she was 90-something. And she was looking at him, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I bet he's terrified. She looks as though she could ravage him. And I thought, would you still be having F-E-X at that age? Over 100, does it still function? Or would you need to sort of crane... <laughs> Best not think about it, actually. Uh, where was this from? Oh, it's Amy Muse who comes from the University of uh, Toronto uh, in Canada, says, although more frequent sex is associated with greater happiness, the link was no longer significant at a frequency of more than once a week. Oh, thank God for that, you're all saying, aren't you? Once a week. And then they go, you know, should we have the sex? It was not Christmas, is it? 
It's not Christmas. Some people just have it, at, at, you know, Christmas. I think that's more than enough, to be honest with you. Why would you want to ruin yourself? It ruins your hair and everything, doesn't it? And you've got to make noises and stuff like that. And to be honest, it's a bit unnecessary. A bit unnecessary. 21 years of National Lottery Millionaires. I know how they feel. And here they are. They've sort of, they've, uh, they've spoken to a few people who've won, you know, two million here, two million. Just under, Mark and Julie Weir got just under two million eight hundred thousand. They built a pub in their garden. Nice. And uh, Geraldine Bradley shared 3,570,000. Susan Herdman won 1,182,000. That's enough, isn't it? Although Michelle Edwards won just under 2 million. I think that's enough to be, to be blissfully happy with. Don't you think so? Just under 2 million pounds? You could, uh, you could do it. Depends how old you are, doesn't it? It depends how old you are. If you're sort of somebody in their sort of 80s and 90s, a million pounds definitely going to see you through. If you're sort of, you know, 18, 19, maybe not. Maybe not. Quarter past five is the time. Paddy's back this morning at seven with further police spending cuts of up to £800 million expected and a £2 billion boost needed for the military should we scrap HS2 to pay for it and keep the UK safe. Should Marks and Spencer continue selling a range of toiletries called ISIS... A court decides immigrant spouses must speak English before entering the UK. Is it fair? And a mother stands by her partner even after a court jails him for abusing her daughters. We ask one of the abuse. Is that the ultimate betrayal? Nick and the team at seven. After the morning news with Lisa Rizzi's Chris Blackhurst. Columnist for the Evening Standard will be looking through the papers for this morning. Nice to be company. I'll bring you the weather a little bit later on. There's nothing particularly special about it apart from it's, it's wet. And then towards the end of the month, as we told you more than a month and a half ago, they predicted snows on the way. Can't wait. As long as I'm home looking at it and not having to drive out anywhere. It's the only time your garden looks the same as the next one, isn't it, really? Uh, Jackie says, I've travelled 10,000 kilometres to Rodriguez Island in the Indian Ocean, where your super programme is on live at 8am. So I'm drinking my coffee and listening to you now. There you go. That's what we like to hear. We like to hear somebody's travelled 10,000 miles. Actually, the Indian Ocean. Doesn't it sound glamorous? The Indian Ocean, Rodriguez Island. It's probably awful, but it sounds glamorous to us in this country this morning. And uh, I can't eat mayonnaise, says Hayden, in in sandwiches. But did you know, although Pret make up the sandwiches in kitchens, uh, they won't make one without mayonnaise. They say they're not allowed to change the recipe by leaving it out. So, yes, I mean, that's, that's like, that was an old joke from years ago, wasn't it? In a town like Alice, where uh, Neville Shute's great book, which was turned into numerous films, uh, they go in the outback and uh, it's egg and steak, steak and eggs. And so they, um, they say, oh, can I have these steak without the eggs? And the woman goes, no, it's steak and eggs. And so she goes, yeah, but I don't actually want the eggs. She will just leave them on the plate. They can only do the, the sort of set meal. It's almost like, sorry, could, could I have um, the egg mayonnaise sandwich without the egg? Just the mayonnaise. No, you can't. It's egg mayonnaise. And that's, that's how it is. So, and they aren't about to detract and start because they're not making sandwiches to order at Pret. I can quite understand why they wouldn't do that. They're not making... If, if they sort of said, we offer a bespoke sandwich, it's not like you're going to a sandwich bar. They make their sandwiches downstairs. They're not all of a sudden going to go, OK, we'll just stop making our sandwiches and make one especially for you without the mayonnaise. They, they, they can't change it. It's not changing the recipe. It's that they make their sandwiches in the morning. They're not about sort of... They aren't doing bespoke sandwiches there. So I, I understand that completely. Do you understand? Yeah, you must understand. Of course you do. Uh, Neil, actually, have, have you had a look at the, uh, the, uh, the thousand lights? I put them on the tree yesterday. When, we, when did we sort of stretch them down the road? They seem to go for quite a long way, actually. But uh, off to Londinium is Neil today, taking young Teddy to see Father Christmas at Harrods. Photo tomorrow. Viagra for diabetics. He said, uh, certainly take your mind off other things, but it could be a little uh, <laughs> awkward. Yes. 
Have you seen the uh, the clip of the poor children receiving their donated shoebox Christmas presents? You love seeing the excitement. It's priceless. And he said, a great in-con guest, Richard Ol- uh, in Sorry, in-con guest. Couldn't even say it then. In-conversation guest. Richard Osman from Pointless. Very witty. Seems nice. Yes, he's not... If, if they're plugging something, then they're available. So if, I'm, I'm having to change... Well, the producer's having to change around this weekend. It was going to be David Tennant and Hugh Bonneville. Now it's going... Oh, I picked up the wrong bit of paper. Uh, it's now going to be uh, Richard Hammond and Hugh Bonneville. And David Tennant's going to be next week. You know, he's on Netflix tomorrow. David Tennant's on Netflix tomorrow from about 9.30 in the morning, I think. All the episodes from the Marvel, all the new ones they filmed, very good, very good on Netflix, only on Netflix. And uh, so David Tennant, you're going to have to wait till next week. And then I think it'll be David Tennant and Eddie Izzard next week for In Conversation. We've got some super guests coming up, really, some super guests. And Richard Hammond's going to be a tired bunny because he's in early this morning. They're going to work him hard. By the time he gets to me at about uh, uh, eight, uh, yeah, about 8.30, I think, he'll be, he'll be in with me this morning. In one of our other studios. So everybody's been dragged in early. Come on, quick. Everybody come in. It's what you do, though, isn't it? It's lovely. Uh, have you seen the film with Charlie Chaplin, the 1941, The Dictator, says Neil. His speech at the end is so applicable for today. I, I never saw The Dictator. I was, I was a fan of Charlie Chaplin. Funny you should mention that, because I had a DVD some years ago, and it might have been called Oscar, and it had clips of all the... Uh, the things that had happened at the Oscars over the years that had made the Oscars memorable. Just having a, uh, an Oscar ceremony with nothing actually happening on it that was controversial. And one year, uh, one actor refused to accept his Oscar because of the treatment of the Native American Indians. So he sent up a Native American Indian to say uh, he is very sorry that he can't be here to accept this award, but because of the treatment of the Native American Indians. What was ironic about it was that she was an actress. She wasn't a Native American Indian at all. Uh, It also had John Wayne coming out when he was uh, diagnosed with cancer. He smoked 100 cigarettes a day. Uh, But the, the reason I mention it, Neil, is because Charlie Chaplin who'd been ostracised by the Americans for many years, came back. And his microphone didn't work to start with. And he sort of got this whistling and howl round, which, uh, which can plague events like that. And he went, oh, you dear, sweet, beautiful people. And I think he was in his 90s then. But it was the fact it was, it was Charlie Chaplin, the man who revoli- revolutionised it. And, uh, and it was Charlie Chaplin. That's all you can say, isn't it? It's Charlie Chaplin. When we were talking the other day about the Beatles, I was saying to somebody, you know, you've got all these groups who appear on the television now and they go on to Britain's Got Talent and the X Factor and all this other kind of stuff and The Voice and they think that they're going to be big and they last, you know, six months, nine months, if that. They push them around. The moment the album doesn't sell because we're all very fickle, it finishes. Years ago, of course, it was different. That's why Noreen can still go out to see all these groups because they've got a track record. You're not going to be going around to go see Katie Waisel in 10 years' time. She will be wasted by that time. You're not going to see any of these people. You know, but if the Beatles were able to reform themselves again, we would go and see them. I'm surprised nobody's thought of a Beatles show. They've done it with Elvis, haven't they? That album has shot right up the charts. I bought it. I bought it. Big fan of Elvis. Oh, I tell you, I'd love to have talked to him. I'd love to have talked to him. I've talked to Priscilla. I just kept staring at her going, she looks fantastic for her age, but she was married to Elvis. She was married to Elvis. That's, you know, that's like, she was married to Elvis. Doesn't get any better. I'd love to have spoken to him. Love to have talked to different people. Different people that you think to yourself, he I would have loved to have talked to. And Charlie Chaplin, you know, to, to actually have sort of got him in 
to actually do it. We uh, Debbie Reynolds got an award the other day. She's 85, 86. Luckily, we got her for In Conversation uh, when she came over last time to the country. Amazing. And you think it's Debbie Reynolds. She's a Hollywood legend, for goodness sake. I feel a bit sorry for a lady called May Appleton. Now, you can tell that with the name May, she's fairly old. In fact, she is. She's 87. She lives in uh, sheltered accommodation. Uh, it's the Weaver Vale Housing Trust. Uh, the difference is she's 87. She hoards. Now, I know this feeling. I know this feeling completely. Uh, she's got loads of stuff. She and her family have spent years saving dolls, autograph, photos, memorabilia. She's got a letter from the Queen Mother. And she's got cameras, autographs from Hollywood stars, football memorabilia, uh, 1960s music singles. She comes from Cheshire. Her husband, Brian, died in 2004. She says, what I've got in my house is 61 years of memories. I've been very happy here for 58 years, but the last three have been terrible. I've been to court twice. They want her out. They want to kick her. She's 87. And the reason they want her out is they say that the house is a fire trap. Or the, uh, the flat is a fire trap, which in theory they are, they are right about. They've said there is so much material there that if a fire took hold, you know, it would be impossible. So they're, they're basically saying she's got to whittle it down. Now, what she needs to, with the help of her children, I think she's got uh, a couple of sons, uh, I think, is to, um, is to sort of whittle it down and start selling it on eBay. You probably find some of it's worth some money. Most of it would just be junk. People keep saying to me, friends of mine say to me, why don't you get rid of all your DVDs? I say, why would I want to get rid of my DVDs? I bought them. What would I want to buy them for? Watch them and give them away. Doesn't work like that at all. Really doesn't. So I do feel a modicum of sympathy. But if she's in a housing trust house, they have an obligation to make sure that all the other residents around her are safe. I mean, I don't know if she smokes or she uses candles or anything like that. I've got no idea. But they're obviously uh, just being mindful of the fact that it could be a bit dangerous. But coming up to Christmas, it's, it's slightly mean, isn't it? Mind you, talking of mean, we will tell you the story in the next part of the programme of the council who wants to stop a man parking on his drive because he hadn't applied for parking permission and one of those things where they took the curb down. And so, in an effort to stop him parking, they've actually concreted a barrier up there. So he can't do it. I mean, the cost of doing that alone must be about a 1,000 quid. But in an effort to stop him putting his electric car on the drive, they put this barrier up. He said it's ridiculous. And they said, no, 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 no. You can see where they're coming from. They've said, no, you have to apply for planning permission. You can't just park in front of your house. You know. So they put this, this barrier in at the cost of whatever. We shall find out later on. I'll name and shame the council and tell you the poor man's name as well. It's now 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, six. Police searching for a missing 15-year-old. That's Kaylee Haywood. Have discovered a body in a field in Ibstock. They're not uh, confirming anything as yet, but they have spoken to her parents. Uh, she was missing. Two people are currently helping police with their inquiries. So later on today on LBC, we'll hopefully have an update on that story for you. It's nice to have you company. Welcome to Thursday morning. It's the 19th of November as we race through in a mixed kind of weather condition here. It's terrible, really, isn't it? We've had rain, we've had wind. And you look at the, uh, the, uh, the pictures in the paper today of Barney Rubble. Trouble. That's what it's spelt for you. And uh, it's absolutely appalling. Cars that have had brick walls fall on them and stuff. I mean, really dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And um, they've got trees uprooted. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Thank you to Paul, who's recommended uh, a Beatles album, a Seattle Beatles tribute band. Do you know, around the world, there are a friend of mine runs the, uh, the bootleg Beatles. 
and uh, and set them up years ago. They're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. I mean, seriously, if you've never seen a tribute band, go see them. Go see them. Bootleg Beatles, Counterfeit Stones. They're all out there. There's a, there's a Simon and Garfunkel tribute band. There's no end of ABBA tribute bands. And they, they, they sound identical. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's just so terribly clever. And it's cheaper than seeing the real things. Cheaper. Uh, Marlon Brando and sent this so-called Native American, says Ken. That was the Oscar for The Godfather. Yeah, she said that. And he's, he's not very happy about the way you treat her. It was fascinating to watch until later you realised she wasn't a Native American Indian at all. The whole thing was uh, a bit good, actually. And uh, Charlie Chaplin... I think his 12-minute standing ovation was the longest ever recorded. Uh, the Oscars remain the property of the organisation that issues them, and every winner must agree to offer it back to the organisation for a dollar, should they or their estate ever choose to sell it. Yes, I mean, I d- they're, they're, they're not worth very much, are they, really? Do you know what's worth more at the Oscars? The goodie bags. The goodie bags can be worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. They get practically keys to cars in their holidays, mobile phones, they get everything. Our goodie bags seem a bit naff. They do it on all the television programmes. You know that over here, when they have celebrities on. Richard and Judy were known for sort of doing nice little goodie bags, because it's like an incentive. It's like, thank you for coming on our programme. Here's a little gift. I don't offer the same thing when I do people for In Conversation. <laughs> I don't have the budget for things like that. I wish I did, but uh, but we don't. But I'm I'm find out if this uh, if this video because uh, it was on a video of Oscars is available, which has got Charlie Chaplin on there because it was it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, Steve, read your theory about having sex once a week. Sounds okay. What happens if the wife finds out? Yes, there is that that huge problem, isn't there? This is a, a survey that if you're a, if you're a very very happy couple, it's because you're having sex once a week. Most people listening are going, see, Steve Allen said it was OK once a week. Not during the programme, I hasten to add. Uh, I have an urge to go for a big breakfast, says John in Surrey Keys. But I have to wait until 6.30. I don't want to miss anything. Absolutely. I don't want to miss anything this morning, definitely. You're, you're all quite quite worried, aren't you, about this this once a week thing? It's obviously put the put the cat among the uh, the pigeons quite a lot. <laughs> More of your uh, texts and emails as we uh, put everything in. Um, bum, 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 bum. Uh, are you getting this uh, Mark Sparks cart? No, I'm not. I keep turning it down. I don't want to put my name and address on something. I don't want to do that, actually. I really don't. They keep, every time I go in, Marks and Spencer's, have you got a Sparks card? No, I haven't. I do not want to have, uh, you know, lots of store cards clogging up my wallet. I mean, the only things I've got clogging up are my RAC membership. Other breakdown recoveries are available. And uh, that's about it. One uh, one Mastercard, and, and that's it. Don't have any store cards or anything else. Got my historic royal palaces. That's it. Uh, Sally with a spike in Worcestershire. She says, once a week. <laughs> Lucky, once a year. Always downstairs listening to you. Oh, that's right. Blame me. Uh, there are two unclaimed big lottery wins bought in Kingston and Hounslow. Is it you, Steve? Um, I don't buy them. Um, well, when I say I don't buy them, I, uh, I buy online. Could be, actually. Could be. Um... Another one here, um, and uh, somebody's written to me about Richard Hammond. Uh, Martin, I can't, um, and the reason I can't is I'm not allowed to. That's all I can tell you. I'm not allowed to. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I have, have everybody else is going. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? I can't do that. I'm afraid, Martin. Uh, I wish I would, but I'm not. I've signed a. I've signed a form. And the form says you can't ask about things like that. Weather for today. Where's where's the weather gone to? Where has the weather gone to? Is it exciting? Is it not exciting? No, it's not. Oh, I don't know. They say most parts starting dry. Contrary to what I was experiencing this morning. 
And uh, rain in the far west spreading east to all areas during this morning. Drier and brighter weather following a time from late morning, but further rain likely across the south by the evening. <sighs> so miserable, isn't it? High 12 degrees today, ladies and gentlemen. Sunrise is 07.23. Sunset is seven minutes past four tonight. Mostly cloudy. Rain likely to become more widespread across the region, although the far north may stay dry. So tomorrow we'll have clips on the programme of uh, Richard Hammond who we're going to record this morning, and Hugh Bonneville. We talk about. I'm going to ask Richard Hammond about Christmas, actually. Uh, I want to know what, what they do for Christmas. Do they go away? Some people, you know, the Heston Blumenthal told us he goes away for Christmas. They go away, they go to Switzerland, and they stay in a hotel. And uh, I don't think he can stay away from the kitchen. I think he helps out in the kitchen and does things like that. Because, you know, if you're Heston Blumenthal, but he always does it every year. Loads of them do it. They like going away and sort of just having a, a nice time. Lots of people will be going to the Caribbean. I think one of my uh, bosses is off to the Caribbean this year, which is, uh, which is very... I've never been invited. I don't want to make a big thing about it. You know, I don't want to complain or anything like that, but I've never been invited. <laughs> I wish I had been, but it doesn't matter. Actually, I don't like going away at Christmas or, or New Year. I'm just as happy to, to stay here. I put up with anything that the weather chucks at us. That's, that's the good thing about me. I've, I've ceased worrying about the weather in this country. Although the other week we did all get a bit bit miserable. People were writing to me saying, I feel particularly more miserable today than at any other time because this weather is so depressing when it's dark and overcast and it's raining. You just don't feel like doing anything. You can't motivate yourself. I tend to find, though, I was, I'm working out because they've said three cups of coffee is apparently the key to a long life. It'll upset my boss because I'm drinking quite a lot of coffee at the moment <laughs> for obvious reasons. I want to kind of live a little bit long. I want to see what I'm going to get for Christmas. I want to see, not that I want anything for Christmas, but I like to see what, what sort of imaginative presents. Thank you, incidentally. The Christmas cards have started arriving. We have a little competition every year at LBC. Well, the competition is just with Steve Allen and, uh, and a few other people here as well on who, who gets the most Christmas cards. And luckily, you feel sorry for me, so I get quite a few Christmas cards. And I like getting Christmas cards. I seriously do. But this year, the, I think we should stick to a theme. I think the theme is either uh, little lights in the Christmas card. We don't want... To, too much glitter. Not, not too much. We've had a bit of a disaster with glitter in the past. Uh, or filling that a card that makes a noise. As you heard earlier on, Darren Adams got a, a card which moves. It's got a picture of a Highland cattle and it moves. You know, like that, which is quite nice. So I mean, I'd, I'd prefer something with a festive feel to it, a Christmassy feel. Uh, and if you get the combination of lights and music... Well, I think we, we've kind of hit pay dirt on that one. That, that's my ultimate. That is my ultimate. Be very, very happy. Uh, Ian in Thornton Heath, he says, I'm having the mother-in-law down for Christmas. It's nice, isn't it? Been up on the roof, has she, all year? Yes. <laughs> Did you mention, says Eve, that there was an Argos book specifically for Black Friday? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, I can't tell you how I've seen it. I'm not supposed to have seen it. It's come out a bit early. But there is a, there is a book. Is it, is it Black Friday tomorrow? Is that when it is? It's tomorrow. We think it's tomorrow. Next week. Yeah. Oh, thank, th it's Thanksgiving on the Saturday, so you thank... So, you th so, right, so, thank you. Black Friday after... OK, thank you. Nice to know, isn't it? Mind you, I just see the people getting bigger televisions. I'm quite happy with the size of mine. I've often said that on this programme. I'm more than happy. Anything too big, I think, is just... It's obscene, isn't it? Who wants 50 inches, for goodness sake? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Don't make me signpost them. Sean says, uh, I've just discovered your videos. Oh, right. Yes, you'll find me on YouTube. I am on YouTube. 
for all sorts of things. Some go back donkey's years. Donkey's years. I feel a bit sorry. You know, in London, we're always complaining about the parking and how much it costs. I said to somebody, I said, I'm, I'm coming into town on Saturday. Um, can you park for free? And they looked at me like I was mad and said, park for free. Why would you park for free? I said, well, I park for free on Sunday. Why would I not park for free on Saturday? They said, well, you can't. I said, oh, right. So I'm, I'm not going to be parked. Well, I might do, actually. It depends how many hours I'm going to be here. Because if you put the car in Covent Garden, it can be like 16 or 17 pounds. Except for one poor lady here called Ruth Ritchie. Ruth is 60. Now, I don't know if this is an indication as to why it all went wrong for her. But she used a credit card and the parking app pay by phone to pay £1.20. Anyway, um, <laughs> when it went through and she got the statement from her bank, what, in fact, she had paid was £6,561.20. Because that's... A, how she managed to spend that, I've got no idea. Because when you do the... I've got the parking app on my phone. So I go there, type in the thing, and it goes... Uh, how many minutes would you like? And I put in... Uh, 180 minutes, which is going to be three hours, or 240, I'm going to do four hours. And then it says, um, that will cost so-and-so, so-and-so, plus 20 pence for whatever it is. How she got charged £6,500 extra on top of her £1.20 is, is beyond me. There must be a fault on the system. She said, um, she comes from Swindon, so she called pay by phone, who said she must wait ten working days for a refund. I told them, of course, I wouldn't pay six and a half grand for car parking. The man on the phone's reaction was as, was an instant. Oh, my God. And uh, he said I paid until May next year. The car park owner, Swindon Borough Council, claimed Ruth made an error keying in her details. Oh, well, that's it then, isn't it? If you make an error, they can't. She doesn't want to park for a year. She doesn't want to park for an hour. £6,500. Be careful. Be very, very careful. You might end up with one of these. That would frighten the life out of you, wouldn't it? Even having £6,500 in there in the first place would be uh, would be quite enough, actually, for me to, to panic about. If I found 6500 in there, it would be, uh, it would be good. Um, another one here. This says, uh, this is Jude, says, you don't like giving out name and address through various store cards, but you shop online. Yeah, but that's completely different. Completely different. I only go onto protected websites. I've never been vulnerable to anything. I've never been hacked. I've never had anything added to my credit card. I am impervious to things like that. I'm very careful. And uh, the reason I don't want to give out... You know, people go. People hand out their name and address on the, uh, on the streets nowadays to perfect strangers. I wouldn't do that. Why would you want to do that? That'd be a ridiculous thing. It's like somebody knocking on your door saying, um, uh, can I have your name and address? And, and, do you have a sort code on your... You go, what? Don't be so silly. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there is a story in the paper today which I can't do for you, and, and you'll know why when I tell you about it a little bit later on. It's only because it's slightly rude, and I don't, I don't want to do anything too rude, because I'm feeling, I'm feeling festive. I'm feeling with this weather a little bit... Pfft, but uh, the good news is, we've done the tax. 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning. Thursday, 19th of November. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Nice to have your company as we head towards the festive season. I bet none of you have actually got things ahead of it. We always leave it till the last minute. We always leave the shopping. I mean, hopefully, most people who do shopping online, it's so much easier. You just have it delivered to work. Work, hate it. Hate here in this building. It's a nightmare. You can imagine with 700 of us in this building, and that was only the last count, 
that uh, the amount of parcels that arrive in on a daily basis. We've got an enormous post room. Poor Courtney sits downstairs, absolutely swamped by stuff from Amazon. There's boxes and things. Oh, gosh, I mean, it's just amazing. Because that's what people do now. Because they go, well, I'm not at home. I'm going to be out at work all day. I'll have it delivered to work. And so one of these days, companies are going to go, no more parcels delivered to work. If you do, we'll send them straight back again. Because it does provide extra, especially at Christmas, especially at Christmas. And they've had to say, already we've had a couple of notes sent out saying that, you know, due to the extra volume, we can't hang on to these parcels. They'll go to the post room. And um, in fact, it was funny, there was stuff came in for Nathan Sykes the other day, but they'd misspelt his name on it. So, uh, so Roy sent out a thing saying, does anybody know who this person is? Until the boss wrote back and said, it couldn't be Nathan Sykes, could it, by any chance? We all had a little laugh over that one. But poor old Courtney is now surrounded by all these parcels. Because that's what happens at this time of year. As you start getting nearer, people start ordering things. Because if they, if it turns up at home and you're not there, they take it back again. Unless you've made arrangements for them to leave it with a neighbour. So I have my stuff sent here. But actually, I'm, I'm, I'm generally speaking quite good. I try not to get too many parcels. And they leave mine with reception so I can collect them in the morning. But for, for the people in the daytime, it's terrible, actually. Here is the sad but true story of a man. And this could happen to you. He's called Adam Story. He thought he was being really good. He bought an electric car. And uh, in keeping with having an electric car, he needed a PowerPoint to charge it up. So he installed a PowerPoint for his eco-friendly vehicle outside his house. What he didn't do, though, and he fell foul of the law, he didn't get planning permission to drive up to it using a pathway. Neighbours complained, so he's always got neighbours that don't like him. They complained that Mr Storey had driven on the pavement to get to the charger after the council altered the height of the curb outside his home in Hull millionaire's playground of. The only way the computer engineer can now power his car is by parking on the grass verge and leaving an electrical cable draped across the pavement. Which, of course, I mean, you wouldn't be allowed to do anyway, would you? Hull City Council said Mr Storey did not have permission for illegally driving over the path to reach his charger. Council spokesman said they'd received six complaints from residents who claimed Mr Storey was endangering others by using the pavement. Mr Storey said the metal barrier, because what he's done now is that he arrived home, the council have installed a metal barrier, concreted in, right in front of his house. So it stops him putting his car on the drive to get to the charger, which he's had installed outside the front door. I mean, it's a bit dramatic, isn't it? But they've had complaints. So the metal barrier is right in front of the drive. It's diabolical. He says, I can't reach the charger with my car because it's in the way. He said the barrier was a danger and said a child had been injured after riding into it. Although, to be honest with you, how a child missed it, I'll never know. Uh, The father of the four-year-old who didn't want to be named said, it's dark metal and there's nothing to help you see it at night. What are you doing taking a four-year-old child out there at night for anyway? Anyway, the council said it was its legal duty to keep pedestrians safe. Mr Storey had been told on numerous occasions to apply for planning permission. And uh, the spokesman said... Uh, They decided not to name them very wisely. We've had complaints about Mr Storey driving along the footway, around bollards and across the verge, causing a danger. The council has a legal duty to ensure the public highway is safe. Therefore, a pedestrian barrier was installed. He said Mr Storey would make a formal application for permission, which will then be considered by the council. So, um, So there you go. End of story so far. You kind of see an impasse here, don't you? You kind of see the council going, listen, we're actually going to tell you now 
that we're going to put a barrier up. And it's about, you know, ten feet in front of your house, but it's to stop you parking there. That's why it's done. I see people parking all the time illegally, and they don't do anything. Mind you, talking of seeing things illegally, I mean, this morning, as I came in, and admittedly it was a little bit windy, I'm watching open drug dealing, ladies and gentlemen. Down here, you know, literally opposite the Garrick Theatre. I mean, listen, if I see it, surely the police must see it as well. But we don't see that many police. Sometimes you see them standing around outside the front by a nightclub, and that's about it. And yet the drug dealing is going on down the road with people conducting deals in little corners. You know, where the scaffolding been put up, which means that people can use it as a toilet or for drug dealing. And they were using it for drug dealing. And, if, if, I mean, it's also quite intimidating for people. I'm not saying that at that time of the morning you're going to be getting kids walking past there. But, I mean, I see it on a daily basis. You think, if I see it, I mean, is, is, it, is it sort of beyond the capability of the police? Who so literally, the police station is literally within five minutes. Five minutes. Just down the road. So if I see it, they must see it. Uh, well, I hope so, anyway. Uh, what uh, what famous people are doing for Christmas? Uh, I'm fairly famous, and I'll be in Norway with Faye, says Patsy. Be doing a dog sledding day. I'm so excited. Flying across the frozen wilderness of Norway with a fantastic dog. Heaven. Yes, I've, I've done dog sledding. I think that's what they call it, isn't it? Sledding. And uh, on frozen lakes. It's lovely. The dogs get so excited. So excited. Woo, 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 woo. And, and off they go, and you wrap yourself up with furs and things like that. Not very PC, is it? But I mean, it's the only way you're going to keep, because otherwise it's freezing cold. Absolutely freezing cold. Um, 84850. Uh, Mr. Bryce says, did they really expect this poor dog to come out alive? Probably not. Uh, the, these people uh, in this flat, 5,000 bullets were sprayed into it. Imagine if you're the next door neighbour. Kind of exactly been your best day. And they send the police dog in. Well, as the dog wasn't armed with anything, I don't know what the purpose of that was. These people are prepared to blow themselves up, so they kill the dog. If it had been a person walking through the door, they would have done the uh, exact same thing. I don't think they, they would have changed at all. I really don't think so. Uh, on the subject of the uh, <coughs> the Oscars, everybody remembering it. And apparently the uh, the video is still available. So I'm definitely going to... Uh, to try and chase that one up a little bit later on today because it was such a such a good thing and the Oscars were so important. Uh, here is the uh, the hero dog killed on the solo mission to the terrorist lair. Uh, this police dog killed. It was sent in ahead of the armed officers in the Paris siege. What did, I mean, I don't want to sort of state the patently obvious. What do they expect it to do? The dog doesn't go in armed with a machine gun or anything. They just sort of send it. They think that the dog was... I mean, the dog didn't know what it was going into. Had no idea that there's people actually in there who are prepared to blow themselves up. And they killed the dog, uh, believed to have died in a hail of bullets. The dog's mission would have been to find explosives and locate and incapacitate the bomb gang. She had the vest on. She's wearing it. She didn't want to wait for the dog to arrive at her. Just blew it up and they, and they killed the dog. Ter- I mean, it's a, really, it's terrible, isn't it? Seven-hour gunfight. We reported it on LBC yesterday morning as they blasted their way in. One man taken out, half naked, somebody pinned to the ground. Um, this is just one of many cells, I should imagine, and uh, not just over there, over here. One of the people that they're looking at today, they think, who could be the mastermind, uh, is twisted. I mean, quite clearly, these people have got brain cells missing. Uh, privately educated, spoilt by his parents, nightclub loving, you know, nothing at all to do with religion. This man is just uh, some sort of pervert, and he spurned everything to spread hatred and slaughter. Even his own family wanted him dead. Well, kind of achieved the objective, if it's confirmed. And even his, uh, his younger brother... Uh, who he recruited to the Islamic State. 
I mean, you can't aren't help wondering whether or not how many brain cells they've actually got between them. The answer is nothing at the moment, I wouldn't have thought. The jihadi gun rampage. And they've got the CCTV footage at the pizzeria. This is in one of them. One, one girl cowers in front of the counter and he calmly loads the gun, points it at her. He's going to kill her at point-blank range and it jams. It jams and she seizes the moment and runs out screaming. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, if there was a god, he was quite definitely there. Uh, also, a mum who died shielding her son five from the, the bullets. And then Turkey's shame as the fans jeer in the minute's silence. There were people shouting uh, Alu Akbar uh, at the, the match. I mean, these people should be found out. They should, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And this is part of the, the, uh, the Turkish supporters. What shame. What shame. I spoke to somebody the other day, actually, one of the girls in Starbucks. And she's going on holiday. Uh, I'll tell you the other side of the news about it, because she's going off to uh, to Egypt. I said, where are you going? She said, I'm not going to Sharm el-Sheikh. Caught on CCTV, I just told you, the jihadis gun rampage at the pizzeria. Sheen's a monster, says his ex-girlfriend. The BBC could act sporting programmes. They think darts and snooker. But as I say, they are the most boring things on the... That and bowls, I think we could lose. Uh, the key to a blissful marriage, making love just once a week. The children who inspired the Enid Blyton covers of the books. Uh, will Lady C quit the jungle? Who cares? It's only a programme. Black D faces jail over drugs charges. Migrants, if you're coming here, you've got to be able to speak English. Snow is on the way. And uh, Jamie Redknapp, a six-month ban. He just doesn't learn his lesson. So the courts have taken his licence away. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. News is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 19th of November. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast on LBC. Was the terror mastermind killed in the siege? They haven't confirmed or denied as yet, but the papers are speculating, yes, it was. 53% of you want to bar EU citizens from moving to the UK permanently. Two British radicals get halfway to reaching ISIS, despite a ban on them leaving the UK. Obviously, the checks on the border control are so lax. Two people who've been convicted of terrorist offences managed to walk calmly out of the country. Luckily, they only got as far as Belgium. One of them, uh, when asked for his identification, produced the Koran, ladies and gentlemen. Key to a blissful marriage, make love once a week, and Mother Teresa could be a saint by next year. And migrants have got to speak English. First snow of winter on the way, they reckon, by the end of the month, which is what we predicted on LBC about, uh, about three weeks ago. And, uh, and Jamie Redknapp in court again. This time they've said, no, we're banning you from driving. He's accumulated so many points, he quite clearly is an idiot. He's been told about it before and systematically each and every time. How embarrassing, though. How embarrassing. That's the one who's married to Louise Redknapp. They always presented themselves as a nice couple. I always thought he'd be a very sensible person, but driving his Bentley, he just couldn't stick to the speed limit. It's just physically impossible. He can't do it. He doesn't know how to do it. And so they said, no, this time round, uh, we're taking you off the road, and we're taking you off the road for six months. Which is, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be fine. I think there's a fairly good bus service around where they live, so I'm sure they'll be very good. Sheen's a monster, says ex-girlfriend, sobbing, sobbing. Uh, this is Brie Olsen, and she branded him a monster for failing to tell her he had HIV, even though they were having sex every night. She said the star of Platoon and Wall Street cared nothing for my life and could have given her a death sentence, uh, but didn't. But she's right, he could have done. 
he could have done. Um, apparently, one madam has gone on American television uh, running a brothel saying that he paid extra so that he didn't have to use contraception, which seems a little bit naive, a little bit naive. Uh, but anyway, Miss Olsen uh, is, uh, has done an interview with Inside Edition, which is a US entertainment show. Isn't it funny? An entertainment show dealing with something as serious as HIV. But, uh, he said he paid nearly £7 million pounds in bribes to keep it quiet and claimed to have informed all his sexual partners. Uh, various other people. Miss Olsen, who's tested negative, broke down and said uh, it was like putting a gun to my head and pulling the trigger each time. Uh, the former porn star was one of... Oh, right, she's a former porn star. So she must have slept with thousands of people, I would have thought. Don't exactly do two or three people. But uh, so she knew about it and he'd already said it was... She said it was like putting a gun to her head and pulling the trigger each time. So... Can't quite work out, actually, why you'd carry on having sex with somebody if you thought there was any remote danger of contracting something. And if somebody was using contraception, then that would sort of... That would limit it, wouldn't it? But, uh, I don't know, perhaps she sees it differently. The two British radicals who got halfway to ISIS. uh, People with uh, twisted minds, uh, faces contorted with uh, hate. This is... um, uh, people here, most notorious Islamic extremists, they tried to reach the Islamic State in Syria despite being banned from leaving the country. So, uh, being the devious little so-and-sos that they are, uh, one of them, uh, Omar Brooks, also known as Abu Izzadine, and Simon Keeler, were stopped by police on a train when it reached the Hungarian border, the pair who have both been convicted for terror offences. The arrest of Keeler is particularly embarrassing for the authorities, coming just months after he was cleared of trying to travel to Syria. He said he was going over there to see his wife and children, but of course there was no such thing. He was uh, found in the back of a lorry at Dover. He admitted possessing a passport and driving licence in the name of John Carpenter. He's very devious and was banned from leaving the country without informing the police. Why do we want him? Let's keep him out and not let him back in again. Anyway, his Hungarian officers said they stopped the pair on a train bound for the Romanian capital, Bucharest. Uh, Brooks is believed to have had his passport confiscated by the police and presented the Koran as his form of identification. I mean, they don't come any more stupid. They're now being held in a prison in northeast Hungary and they will face extradition. I mean, it's quite clearly that they could just walk out of the country. Where are the border controls? I mean, if it's somebody in this country who's been forbidden from travelling and they manage to walk straight out of the country and nobody recognises him, what are they doing at the, the border controls? Are they doing anything at all or are they just get yeah, just wander out? Wander out when you feel like it. I mean, he was he was radicalising children uh, aged four to 17. He said he would live in an Islamic state and would consider moving to Syria. Fantastic. Go there. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? But there is a ban on them leaving the country, both of them, and yet they managed to walk right out. I'd love to find out the border that they walked through. Can't be that complicated, can it? Uh, the pigeons that can recognise breast cancer in the paper today. Um, we have dogs that can spot cancer. We have all sorts of animals that they, they train in these sort of things. When you think you can, you can train a dog to sniff out money, if you please. I mean, how you start training a dog to sniff money? I, you know, I can understand drug dogs and things like that, but a money dog. Uh, also, senior members of the Conservative Party warned multiple times about allegations of bullying and blackmail by an election aide to David Cameron, but did nothing for years. And uh, the bullying tat the Tory is kicked out of the party. Uh, Other stories, the BBC vows to save cash by axing what you want. I mean, I don't know why you'd want darts and I don't really know why you'd ever want to watch snooker. You know, I think you could shove it, give it to somebody else, let somebody else watch it. But yet they've still got 129 press officers. 129? I mean, I understand it's a fairly big organisation, but don't you think they've lost their way? There was an actor the other day 
who uh, who said they, they, they seem to think they're some private club, as opposed to, we own them. We own it. We pay for them. We pay. They're constantly telling us it's our BBC. Well, let's cut back on it. And uh, the ads that put the sex in sexism and make the 70s seem like a thousand years ago. And they're, um, they're ads with a, with a sexual overtone. And it's been going on for ages and ages. And it's got half-naked models and uh, people talking about, you know, different things. Uh, I mean, the, the most favourite one, I think, was Things Happen After a Badidass Bath. And they had a, a picture of somebody drawing the curtain open. There'd be a man standing by the window. And you go, all oh, right. And I, I tried Badidas once. I think it's horse chestnuts or something like that. It's quite nice, but they do lots of other different things now. And, and then they had Rest Assured, which is a, a seating company. And their, their slogan was, uh, with a very pretty girl, our curves are in all the right places. That was seen as uh, slightly sexist. And, um, uh, and then somebody else buying, cup, uh, buying uh, pots and pans. And the slogan is, choose a pan like you choose a man. It's what's on the inside that counts. All clever slogans, isn't it, really? I, th- I quite think so. I quite like stuff like that. Uh, the turbines have been turned off because it's apparently too windy. It's going to go down to minus four degrees over the next uh, few weeks. And the lovely Dawn French, uh, she says, mothers who buy creams to get rid of stretch marks are wasting their money. Most of the treatments have no basis in science and no product on the market can repair the elastic skin fibre damaged by childbirth. So uh, Dawn French says uh, she sticks to a pot of Nivea. Because somebody said to me once that, you know, even though you can have it, it is nice to have expensive creams. I mean, because you think if you're spending £40 on a pot of cream, and I mean, I see QVC and I see how much money you ladies spend on creams and how the the ladies sit there and go, oh, this is marvellous and we can wash our hands. I think who's got time to do that? I used to love the advert years ago, Fisherman on the North Sea using hand cream, Neutrogena. I used to think, yeah, I can see all these butch fishermen there going, "Uh, have you got the uh, Neutrogena hand cream? You know, and putting that on before they start fishing. But uh, a pot of cold cream, I was told, was the thing. That's all your grandmother had. That's all probably some of your mothers had. Cold cream. That was that was the one thing. It's nice to have all this sort of stuff. But Dawn French says the secret of my young skin is Nivea. Now, I actually think that as long as you exfoliate, and she uses a muslin cloth, you know, you take off the dead skin, and then underneath is like, ta-da, nice new skin. And um, and she looks good on it. But I think some people, I think when you get these models who are hand models or hair models or bottom models or any, any sort of model, that's because they've been blessed with things. that They don't need to do anything special. They're just blessed with beautiful hair. You know, it's, it doesn't matter what, what products you put on your hair. You know, it's, it's what's on the inside. So in other words, if your inside is fine and you've drunk lots of water and eaten your vegetables, then that reflects on the outside. If you've smoked and you've drunk your way through life, it's going to reflect on the outside. You're going to look a little bit older. Your hair's going to look a bit lanker. You think if you put products on, it's going to change it. Bleaching is bad for it. Dyeing it is bad for it. Everything's bad for it. So that's why she's come down to that basic thing, which is she's got nice shiny hair. She's ever so pretty. I've always said that. She's ever so pretty. You know, for a large girl, she is very, very pretty. And she's just said Nivea. And I reckon that you ladies, you could probably do that. But you are tempted by the shiny packaging. And at Christmas in all the department stores and all the chemists, the shiny packaging is what what gets you every time. I mean, who cannot be tempted by a gold box? And you open it up and you look at it and think, wow. This is the holy grail. This is the thing that's going to save me. And, of course, it isn't. The only thing that can save you is Steve Allen's early breakfast show on LBC and point you in the right direction, because it's now quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Certainly is. 6.20. Nice to have you company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on uh, on LBC. So if people want to live here, they should speak English. Of course. 
That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If you go and live in Germany, you speak German. Otherwise, you're pointing at things constantly. You know, if you're uh, if you're Jamie Redknapp, you're not going to be driving anytime soon over Christmas because he's got a six month ban. Uh, he's been caught speeding in his Bentley. Uh, the former Liverpool midfielder pleaded guilty to speeding on the M25 when he appeared before Stange magistrates. Now, I should tell you, living very near the M25, that they've got this ridiculous... It's gone on for ages now. I mean, frankly, so long, we're almost bored witless with it. And uh, it comes down to 50 miles an hour. And it would be very, very easy to um, to jump the speed limit. And, and that's what he did. And so, consequently, they decided to ban him. Uh, it comes from Oxshot in Surrey, so he's absolutely prime candidate for this one. Uh, there was a temporary 50-mile-an-hour limit on April the 15th as he drove between Chertsey and Wisley. In fact, it's on my stretch of it. It's been there for ages and ages. Anyway, they decided to ban him. Uh, it's irrespective that he won 17 caps for the country uh, because he's quite clearly an idiot behind the reel. And he's it's repeat offending. He was previously fined 60 quid and had three points put on the licence at the same court for driving at 66 miles an hour uh, in a 50 mile an hour zone. Back in March 2010, on Friday, he was banned from the road for six months in order to pay £700 fine, court costs of 75 quid and £80 victim surcharge after the six points took him over the 12 points permitted on a driving licence in any three-year period. I mean, quite clearly, you know, it's, it's there. The law is there to be upheld. And if you, if you do drive on the motorway... And I understand exactly how he feels. That if you're driving a Bentley, and he's probably got a nice Bentley, you know, at 50 miles an hour, you might as well get out and push the blooming thing. It's as simple as that. It must, it must be an absolute nightmare. And, all these, and you never see anybody working. You never see anybody working on it. That's what's so annoying about the whole thing. But he's, he's been caught before, and he's been told that if you're going to drive on the motorways, then you have to adhere to it. And it does say... It does say that, you know, it's a timed thing. I don't think most people driving on the motorway have got the faintest idea that this is timed. I think people think that you slow down when you get to the speed camera and then the other side of it, you speed up again. But of course, it's not. You're timed in between them. And they actually and they actually catch you on that one. It's easily done. I mean, I've I've never been done for uh, for speeding within the past 10, 15 years, but uh, it's always there in the back of my mind. And I always watch it very carefully. You know, when it says it's, it's measured between this distance and that distance, I watch it. I sometimes put, put the car on an automatic so I can keep it to the 50, so I know damn well that I'm never going to go over the speed limit. Uh, front pages of the papers. What's your waking up to uh, this morning being Thursday, the 19th of November? The, are you going? Oh, right, OK. The EU border scandal. How did... How did the most wanted man get to Paris? He just got on a train and went there. It's as simple as that. Went there on a train. Like two people leave this country who aren't supposed to be leaving the country. They just had a fake, a fake uh, passport to get out. And they, and they just got out on that one. Nobody checked. I mean, this man is one of the most recognisable people you could ever see in your entire life. And yet nobody at the border recognised him at all. Perhaps he disguised himself. Who knows? Uh, Adele, eight hits, two misses and an instant classic. That's on the album. That's what they're saying. Richard Hammond in this morning on LBC. Be nice to him. Because I've got him after you. OK. So he's going to be in early. So he's, he's going to be in one of our sister stations. We always have to say that, don't we? We always have to say one of our sister stations. <laughs> That'll be an expensive interview to do. So one of our sister stations. We'll have him from 8 till 8.30. And then he's popping in to see me. Which would be nice, actually. So... Uh, yeah, he's only doing 30 minutes. OK, just telling you that. Yeah, I'm telling you. Read, read, the, read the email. <laughs> I love telling people what's going on on different programmes. Uh, other stories in the papers for today, ladies and gentlemen, that you're waking up to. I'm a celebrity. It's, uh, it's, it's basically the play on the... 
people going out to I'm a celebrity who feel the urgent need to take all their clothes off. It's terribly sexist, as I pointed out yesterday. Why we have to sort of wait for some sort of not very tall woman with badly bleached hair to stand under a shower with those appalling legs of hers, I can't imagine. You know, it's just sexist, but that's the best way she can get some publicity. 18,000 Brits do not know they are HIV positive. That's what it says. 18,000 Brits do not know they're HIV positive. This is after the, uh, the Charlie Sheen, who drew uh, criticism for allegedly keeping lovers in the dark. Cops killed terror mastermind. 5,000 bullets. Small wonder that dog stood not a cat in L's chance of going in. They send, they send the dog into an apartment to sniff out explosives. The woman's wearing them as the dog, you know, goes in. And so it, the dog goes down in a hail of bullets and she blows herself up. No loss hurt to anybody at all. Migrants must speak English, is the Daily Express. First snow of winter is on the way. Are the councils prepared? I do hope so. I would like to think that they were. Was the Paris terror chief... Uh, cornered and killed in the dawn shootout. No loss to anybody. But uh, good news if it was him. We should bomb Syria. So say 60% of Brits. Uh, six out of ten Brits want the RAF to bomb the Islamic State following the Paris massacres. So it's retaliation, which means that it just sort of heightens the awareness. But as two people who are wanted by the police and who shouldn't be leaving the country managed to just saunter out... Uh, I, I seriously fear for our safety. I know constantly we're being told, don't worry, we've got the best going. Well, how do these two people walk out again? So here is the uh, the man in the papers. And uh, was he killed? We don't know. The CCTV footage is shown in the uh, mail today. Uh, looking at the uh, the firing as they go in there, they just... They just literally sit there and just aim guns and, and fire and then calmly walk out again. And it all it all takes... A matter, of, uh, a matter of minutes, all caught on CCTV. The shame of Turkey's fans. I mean, I don't think we can say anything more about that. The, uh, the police storming the Dunkirk camp over jihadi fears. Uh, the two British radicals getting halfway to reaching ISIS. Luckily, the uh, Belgian police, not the most uh, exciting police force in the world, but they managed to sort of stop them, so they're in prison. Then we're going to get them back again, like we really want them back. I didn't get round to doing the story about Black D. She's been found guilty of drugs charges, and uh, hopefully we'll be spending prison uh, Christmas in prison this year. These people who think they're so clever, they can go on television and then carry on their dull little lives. I was watching Gogglebox the other day. God, what a bad case of acting in all of the people's cases. Two of the uh, the women on there had obviously never seen Jurassic Park before, which makes you believe what a shadow, shallow existence they have. That's it for this morning. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Free podcast for you up in about 15 minutes. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a thing. Leading Britain's conversation at 7, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Right now, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 